0: In 1999, a film starring Keanu Reeves and Laurence Fishburne changed the landscape of big-budget action movies and helped bring BDSM one step closer to being your weird uncle's second favorite kink. It's The Matrix! This week, Wait. 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 This just... It just doesn't feel right. Guys, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll be right back. There's, there's something I have to do. Matrix? Yeah. It's me. Listen, I I hate to do this last minute. And I know we had plans today, but something's come up. I'm going to have to cancel. No, wait, 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 Just, just let me finish. You need to hear this. You deserve the truth. You know, Matrix, when we first met, things were so fresh. They were so new. They were so exciting. You were really into all that leather and I didn't even know that was a thing for me, but it was. But as time went on, things just got really confusing and kind of watered down. And at the beginning, you seemed so smart and so witty and so exciting, so clever. But after all these years listening to you go on and on, I finally come to the realization that you're just really hollow, Matrix. Now listen, we could go through the motions a few more times, but we both know that the magic is gone. But that's not all Matrix. There's there's something else, or rather, Matrix. There's someone else. I know this seems all so sudden to you, but I really need you to know that this has been going on a long time. I've known them all of my life, and I really started seeing them right around the same time I started seeing you. And while well, you have stayed essentially the same all this time, over the years, they've changed many times for better or for worse. Sure, we've had our ups and downs, but Matrix, I at least feel like they're trying. And now, now Matrix, they've gone out on a limb. They took a huge risk for me, for us, and I can't abandon them now now that they're the most financially viable single superhero franchise of all time? You understand, right? Just remember, Matrix, it's it's not me, it's you. Now listen, don't cry, don't cry. Hey, we'll always have that one Rage Against the Machine song, right? Goodbye, Matrix. Let's try that again. It's the ultimate nerd's fantasy. And guess what? It's made over a billion dollars in under two weeks. So strap on some spandex and get ready to shoot a huge load of web all over your faces. It's Spider-Man No Way Home. This week on Nothing Good.
1: What can anybody say to
2: that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, <Yes. laughs> I feel um, so bad for the Matrix right now. My heart <laughs> aches for them like a little I've, bit.
3: Ah, uh, I've 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 been in the Matrix's shoes before, you mm-hmm. know, and like, I feel like I feel like no in a couple of days, the Matrix is going to show up on your front door with some flowers
2: and a boom in box. the
3: rain or or at least a boom box and just like, stri- yeah, definitely in the rain. And uh, you know, just they're gonna have a couple pills for you, and see which <laughs> one you want to take.
0: The red pill will make me, you take me back. The red pill. Who
3: knows? I saw. I saw a great. I saw a great meme that you know, because when when movies don't quite land the way you hope they would, mm-hmm. people turn to memeing them and gifting them and and starting to make fun of them pretty quickly yep and uh yeah i i saw one where somebody took the matrix and basically turned it into a seinfeld conversation (laughs) where it's like so he offered me the red pill and the blue pill but no water no No water water. (laughs) no water like how you can't take a (laughs) pill with no water you can't so what'd you do i left (laughs) kramer shows up in black spandex like (laughs) i just thought it was i just thought it was really funny how how they uh how that just kind of happened
0: that quickly right so well welcome to the show everybody and if you couldn't tell um we're not doing the fucking matrix uh we, we pulled a fast we're one not. on you we're like yeah. we're like your out. dad and we have a second secret family that we're going to enjoy spending more time with <laughs> so
1: yeah we're doing things a little differently uh this is a little bit of a departure from uh what we've pretty much have been doing all this time with this show as we cover things that are a little older uh have you know a little bit extra age on them and we're able to talk about things grew up enjoying but this is a very different situation uh and I blame you Mr Brown for this this was your idea but a it's a fantastic idea
0: it was you know one can only put mature in the search bar so many times before you need to freshen it up you know and and maybe, maybe go a little younger just to just to change it up a little bit
2: you know uh well, okay. <laughs> I'm, not, but, sure what that, I'm not sure what that means exactly. Yeah. But yeah. listen, let's talk about we Spider-Man. support
0: li- living your life in the incognito browser here on this show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh but I'm very excited that in, in for in a way that not only are we talking about a movie that came out this year, but we're talking about a movie that just so recently came out. Uh where it's so yeah. fresh because we didn't all just go back and watch it and have to spend Three weeks trying to figure out what format or what streaming service it's on and plan our lives around it. We already did that accidentally. We can watch The Matrix anytime. We can call The Matrix up at two thirty in the morning and be like, "What you up? What are you doing? Uh, You got a man?" And then that's there. But this this was something I I have, Noah. I know you have, Mac. I know I know you have. Sorry, but we're here today to talk about. I mean, it's undoubtedly the biggest movie of 2021 and, and a huge release all the way across the board, Spider-Man No Way Home. So, but before we do, Dave's doing the web hand motions right little now. little flip flip out there, everybody. There, a little, little bit of that. Um, how's everybody doing? How was everyone's holiday? Christmas is now, now coming good. past. Pretty good. It was solid.
3: It was relaxing, which was nice. Mac, my, how are you doing? My 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 holiday was just bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so ladies and gentlemen of the uh audience, I will uh you may know a little bit of uh, sexiness to my voice here. A little bit deeper, a little bit more raspy this time around. And mm. um ladies and gentlemen, that's because uh as of uh as of the moment, I am uh currently getting over uh COVID. Uh, the transformer variant found its way into my home and, you know, mm-hmm. star screamed me into submission. Um, yeah, right. Actually, um, on Christmas Eve, everybody, um, I ended up testing positive for uh, for covid. Um, ended up getting it from a friend, um, you know, by by no fault of anybody's. Um, everybody was vaccinated. Everybody was wearing masks. Um, but it just goes to show you that uh, as Jeff Goldblum has said in his immortal words from Jurassic park, uh, life, uh, finds a way. That's right. So, uh, unfortunately my holiday has been spent, uh, quarantining, um, which is also ironic because it was my first day off of 13 days off of work. <laughs> 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 and I started noticing myself feeling achy and I'm like, you gotta be kidding yeah, me, but yeah, covid vacation i was like why couldn't this have happened for new year's instead of christmas because then i could have had another 10 days off of work <laughs> but right. uh but no unfortunately covid uh covid fortunately only hit me uh it did not hit uh it did not hit stephanie it did not hit anybody in my family uh it did not uh spread it inadvertently to any friends or co-workers so uh very fortunate all things considered it wasn't uh uh wasn't terribly major either, you know, didn't not uh, experiencing a lot of the uh, health issues that so many people have had. Very fortunate about that. Um, I do attribute that to, uh, you know, have having taken some of the proper precautions. Um, everybody's certainly welcome to, you know, mask, don't mask, vaccine, don't vaccine. You know, everybody's free to kind of live their lives the way they choose. Um, but I do believe that me having the vaccine caused uh, or prevented some major issues from happening so i uh, very fortunate about that because i felt this virus want to it, mm-hmm. it it went from zero to 60 in about 2.5 seconds and said all right <laughs> let's go and i kind of felt my body said hold the phone you motherfucker we're, we're calling the reserves we're ready to roll so um so yeah so fortunately um doing okay still feeling a little bit but uh yeah, you won't be hearing me drinking any beverages today, everybody. It's pretty much just Gatorade and water. Um, but uh, yeah, I hear the little raspiness in the voice—just me uh, and uh, getting over the getting over the Rona. So,
2: but we do I like kind of the, the raspiness yeah. If I can yeah. be honest with you, your sexy yeah. new voice—it's it, yeah. Yeah. It very soothing. It looks yeah,
3: this will this will be my this will be hopefully my only reminder this podcast recording of my time with <laughs> coronavirus. Because if there's ever a time, ladies and gentlemen, to lose your sense of smell and taste, the worst time to do so is during Christmas, when you have all the snacks, mm-hmm. you have all the foods. You know, we were very fortunate that a lot of family and friends uh, took care of us, brought us uh, food and and everything we needed while we were kind of stuck in quarantine and lockdown. So. Um, but yeah, not being able to not being able to taste cookies or cakes or stuff like that that you get for the holidays is certainly bizarre. But uh, if that's the worst thing that happens to me this holiday season, I'm still truly blessed. So,
0: well, uh, on behalf of everyone here in the show and all of our uh, Peruvian delegation <laughs> listeners, we're very glad you're okay. We're all worried Absolutely. about you, but um, but in the same respect too, we're glad. Listen, and I'm just going to be the one to say it here. I know nobody else wants to. But uh, I'm, I'm gonna make two, two references. One's a joke, one's a not. One, you said life finds a way. And uh, from personal experience, a lot of things can find their way in your body, Dave. You know, and you can struggle as much as you want to, but it's gonna happen. And so you might as well just stay at home for a few days and, and rest up. And number two is, uh, listen, uh, I don't agree with what Max said. Uh, Fucking take care of yourself. Take care of everybody around you and do whatever you can to keep you and others safe. If you're one of the assholes that listens to this and doesn't do what you can to protect you, your family, and everybody else, I have one thing to say to you. Fuck you. Okay? And that's that's <laughs> there, the it is. there it is. Okay? That's Agreed. what you said. Yeah, I, yeah.
3: Mean, I mean, look, that's that's my general stance on everything, but you know, we've, we've got some some good friends who, you know, um, have not chosen to get vaccinated, have not chosen to mask up when they go and do things. And, you know, um, the way that I've kind of looked at it in this world is I can take care of me and I can take care of the people immediately around me. And Mm -hmm. that's really where I kind of put my focus, Um, you know, because that's what I can control. (laughs) And, um, you know, there's, there's just a lot of a lot of divisiveness out there in the world, and unfortunately, you know, I think we can all agree this issue has become far too politicized when it's for the common good and for common health. But um, alas, it was, and it has been, and it still is. So, um, but yeah, you know, my recommendation, obviously, for everybody is to, you know, as Noah said, fucking take care of the people around you, um, mm-hmm. do the things that you can do to prevent the spread of this thing so we can all fucking get past it. I'd love to just kinda of go back to the, the the way things kind of were and if we don't do enough, we're not gonna get there. So uh the ironic thing everybody is that I was gonna be getting my booster the week I was off of work. And of course this kinda of happened to hit before that happened. So um you mm. know It is what it is. But yeah, like Noah said, everybody, you know, definitely take care of yourselves. Take care of the people around you so that those that can't take care of
2: themselves don't have to
3: worry about your ass. So that's right.
2: And that's that's the official nothing good. PSA. Take care of yourselves. The more you know, we
0: know it's divisive. But you know what hasn't been divisive? fucking (laughs) spider-man no way home is there a single person that can get their ass to a movie theater that despite the pandemic didn't say you know what fuck it i'm going to the movies because it it was
3: like what was happening
0: it is currently happening right now i
3: i I think i think this officially puts spider-man at the top of the pyramid like of all the comic book characters of all the superhero you know um no standalone movie has accomplished what this motherfucker did a couple weekends ago with the second-highest opening weekend ever. Ever. Behind, of course, only Avengers Endgame, which included every fucking superhero. Including um, Spider-Man. And th- including yeah. Spider-Man. This one was just Spider-Man. And Spider-Man. No, it, and
0: Spider-Man. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay, we should... <laughs> We'll I, I should have put this in the beginning, but <laughs> if you are listening to the show and haven't fucking seen Spider-Man yet, first of all, what the fuck are you doing? Don't listen I'll, to I'll, sh- I'll shame this is going to be so spoiler laden that it's not, we're not going to step you through the movie, but it's going to be a whole thing. And you are an asshole for not seeing the movie or wa- listening to a podcast. <laughs> Talk about this before you've seen it. What the hell are you doing? You know what? You make terrible choices and you should be fucking ashamed of yourself. This is probably low on the list. But yes. Anyway, that's the long version of saying spoiler alert, people. It's yes. funny. We did spoiler <laughs> alert about uh, about movie 30 years ago that we were more intense with yelling spoiler alert. So uh, yeah, doing my very precursory research right now, there's only as of right now, Right now at this moment, and it'll probably change in about a week, there's only one standalone superhero movie that has made more money than Spider-Man, No Way Home, uh, that isn't Spider-Man, and that's Black Panther. Uh, mm. It has made about $300 million more, which will probably change in the next week or two uh, oh, yeah. and allow Spider-Man to, to crack that elusive top 10. But speaking of cracking, Dave, I know you mentioned that you're having Gatorade and water right now. But, as is a nothing good tradition, um, what does everyone drink it? I'm gonna get this out of the way
1: now I'm drinking water it's the middle of the day and I have driving to do later on. This and is I the earliest all I have is,
3: <laughs> yeah, I've liquor so I'm I've... <laughs> look, all about driving around buzz out of is so it's it's weird seeing daylight while we're doing this.
2: Yeah. yeah, for sure. it's a little different, but it works. I am uh, I was traveling for the holidays. I'm still uh, not back home in pittsburgh i'm in eastern pa at, at my in-laws which is you know you hear about guys in their 40s recording podcasts from their parents basements that's literally <laughs> me right now <laughs> as you can see there's no lord of the rings sword and star wars toys behind me i'm just in an old old basement uh but since i'm in eastern pa i'm drinking a sour ipa from iron hill brewery which oh. is a uh, chain brewery out here from eastern pa oh dave's been there a number of times i it uh, is it is, is my
3: pretty favorite microbrewery man it is my favorite brewery i love that place jeff if uh if i could put it well i can't taste anything so <laughs> but,
2: but i if bring, I I bring it. it back but you can't taste it
3: so. yeah i was gonna say if you could bring me back some of the uh the 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 raspberry wheat whatever its current name is right now i'd uh i always appreciate it yeah
2: so i'm day drinking
0: so cheers mm. Boy, beautiful and i, oh, I want to say though our audio listeners can't see you have you're in a basement with wood paneling plaid yeah. cushions on that couch and some yes. lace frill work <laughs> on the <laughs> curtains behind you <laughs> you are literally recording this podcast in 1979 and i respect them no they're they he's, he's an amish country
3: he's an amish country man that's how it comes there oh you yes you know
0: I, I I am also day drinking with a special concoction that I make for when I'm off in multiple days. Now uh, this drink is called the NAFTA. Uh, for any of our socio politically un, uneducated people, that's the stands for the North American Free Trade Agreement. What it is is an uh, iced Americano. An Americano is espresso in hot water or ice water in this case with tequila in it. So oh, it's a little boy. American, a little Mexican. That's, it's the NAFTA. It gets you going, and also gets you going.
3: That's
0: that sounds yeah, a hell of a
2: combination. Well, listen, yeah,
3: I mean good. the fact that we good. got tequila in the conversation. Hopefully, <laughs> we can use that to uh, maybe get some of our uh, Latin American viewers and, and listeners into uh, into the fold here, um, Peru. Mm. You know, we're 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 looking at you, Peru. Uh, but why don't you get some of your friends over here too mm. you know there's uh Call a you got of four friends. of us over here and just one of you why don't you go ahead and check on some of those neighbors rattle on those doors and uh you know send some of that nice latin american ass
0: our way that would be, <laughs> that would be so wonderful <laughs> it's not uh, a <laughs> wow All right. but let's just get let's get that into it Now i'm going to ask the important question here gents was this movie not fucking awesome
2: it was so good and and well, what's interesting is is there in the recent years, there hasn't been a movie with so much hype and so much fan expectation going into it as this movie had, and they fucking delivered on every level. It was such a love letter to fans and kids Mm -hmm. and adults who act like kids and everyone. I mean, this movie is for everyone. It It was incredible.
0: It was, they did the there's, there's, um, There's fan service. And then there's like lacing your film with all kinds of references so that the diehards get it. And then there's whatever the fuck this movie did. Like this movie went so deep and so hard uh, that they even did the pointing Spider-Man meme in the middle Mm -hmm. of the movie just (laughs) to get that movie. (laughs) And they fucking did it for us. (laughs) Oh, but yeah, dude, like um this this movie went through the whole gambit of emotions it geeked you out it got you excited it it it, it made you cry it went through the whole thing and it did exactly what you want a movie of this magnitude to do it left you wanting more at the end it set you up to see where everything goes going forward it's like how do you not i i
3: can't believe that they were able to accomplish as much as they did in this movie Laying off of everything that came before it, mm-hmm. giving you an unbelievably exciting, entertaining, emotional journey, and then how they left it off, which I got some very strong feelings about, like mm-hmm. some really strong feelings about, and how they took things that you knew you wanted, you didn't know you wanted, you can't believe they did it that way and still making you feel like you had such an unbelievably satisfying experience in, in a story. Um, whether it's Marvel, whether it's DC, whether it's, you know, Disney studios, Marvel, 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 Sony, whomever making this, I can't think of a movie with maybe the exception of one or two, that, that, that told a complete story, that carried an emotional gravitas, that really to me felt like a, a very much a cinematic experience, right? I think is really what I'm going at here. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't your cookie cutter popcorn version of these films. There is a lot to chew on uh, with this movie and I, I give it a lot of credit. I think outside of Black Panther, which I think we can all agree is, is one of the few of these movies, this Dark Knight probably, that gives you things to chew on about society about about you know of course black panther about race you know this movie lends about it, it's an introspective journey that that peter goes on that peter's always gone on mm-hmm. but we never got it like it was almost like the or, the spider-man origin story being told in its third fucking movie it, it's it's yes. it's so many things to unpack about this movie
0: it's incredible I think we should we should flat out start off here by acknowledging the outright anxiety the movie makes you feel in a starting sequence of picking up literally right where no way yeah. home uh, far from home leaves off. Um, you're know, like, oh, where are they gonna jump in out? Oh, just literally right there at that exact moment in time. You can take that shit with you, and I oh, man, I just it just feels so claustrophobic when you're in that apartment with May and uh, John Favreau and all of that other stuff and and you just the movie really never stops and when it does it betrays you which i love when movies do they're like okay take a breath and guess what you fucking asshole why are you sitting down get up because something else (laughs) is gonna happen right now uh it it played
3: so well noah creating that that feeling of urgency and like you said the the world coming crashing in around him Mm -hmm. you know for 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 anybody who who you know is familiar with spider-man um he's one of the superheroes who so closely guards his identity because like with peter parker and spider-man with his villains it is so fucking personal Mm -hmm. it is always personal and like we're not going to attack spider-man you know we're going to fucking attack who you love who you care about we're going to torture you and haunt you and just and you know when peter parker's identity is revealed in today's day and age, right? You know, we're not talking about 50 years ago in the comic books before the internet, before cell phones, before everybody had cameras. Mm -hmm. And now you throw that element of today's society into that thought process where people immediately make up their mind about you because of a fucking video they see on TikTok. doesn't matter if it's true or not. Doesn't matter if you did any research. You know, um, a thing I, I laugh all about today is when you see people post videos, Look at this UFO in the sky that nobody's talking to you about. And I watch these things like, I can probably create that video in about 10 minutes in my, in, on my computer and put that online as well. But you know there are people that believe it. And they oh, give yeah. you that sense of feeling right away when he jumps down to go grab MJ because people start to swarm her. You start to hear some of that vitriol towards mm-hmm. Peter for those people who believed in Mysterio. Yep. And you killed him you know, and, and let's, we should, what do we, we should get them. You know, they start to really kind of do that. And, and it creates this great tension at the beginning of the movie.
2: Yeah. And you hear that girl yell, Oh, Spider-Man hit me. He hit me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. everybody just turns on him instantly. Cause they're like, they've, they've all fed into and like JK Simmons plays J Jonah Jameson as like Again. this, this <laughs> extremist propaganda guy. Alex Jones. Yeah. Who, yeah. Who's just, Feeding the masses with whatever his bullshit is, and everybody's just eaten out of his hand when he reveals that uh, Parker's identity as Spider-Man.
3: Well, and it's great too because when they do that quick pull away once he's done with that broadcast, you see he's shooting it on a green screen in the yeah, he's just in an apartment, mm-hmm. yeah, or whatever, yeah, like he wherever he is, right? Yeah. It's not the J Jonah Jameson who's in charge of the Daily Bugle.
0: No, but, but uh, when you I cut later in the movie, yeah. uh, he made so much money off of the Spider-Man uh, malarkey that he's got a full-on, big, proper green screen studio. Yep. I think the idea that you basically made the Daily Bugle went to Info InfoWars was fucking genius. Like, yeah. oh my <laughs> God. Because it's it, it absolutely good. Because how can a newspaper fit in an era where nobody reads the newspaper.
2: It doesn't have influence in no. today's no. day and age.
0: But that Not shit does. Yeah, yeah, that shit does. Oh, and, it's and so they good. and they hit the note perfectly. They played
3: the chord so perfectly to let that fit today. You know? And even even when you go back to some of the older movies where, you know, when Tony Stark in Civil War, when he, he finds Peter because he's posting videos of Spider-Man on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, you know, Peter Parker always made his living taking pictures of Spider-Man and selling them to the newspapers as a freelance photographer. Well, again, without newspapers in today's day and age, how do you do that? You don't. You put videos on YouTube, yep. you make it's TikToks. you have influencers, right? And it just it's such a great and, and it seems like it's an easy transition. But as a Spider-Man fan, you have to accept that, that oh. we're not going to go down that traditional Peter Parker road. And, and everybody does
0: it's gonna it's i i, I mean i don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves but it's going to be such a genius thing to eventually see spider-man selling videos of himself to the daily bugle to air yeah. uh as the way to make his rent and to have to balance that yeah. horse shit again uh I, listen i'm just gonna there, we could just fanboy all over this and we're going to people don't get us wrong but i think it'd be cooler and a little bit interesting if we just take key moments like this, like we just did with Daily Bugle in the intro, and we just kind of fluff ourselves up real hard about it and, and go through each one and uh and kind of throw to each of us to kind of lead this thing. And the first thing I want to do is throw to you, Doc. And I want to get your opinions on how they absolutely fit Doctor Strange into a Spider-Man movie uh, the way they did. And, uh, and also, if you want to mention the reveal that Wong is now Sorcerer Supreme... <laughs> Yeah,
1: which I guess makes total sense. Yeah. I mean, Strange was gone for a long time, uh, you know, so I guess things have to move on and it and it, it, it fits Wong's personality perfectly. Mm-hmm. Like that responsibility that he really just doesn't want. He could He can taking shits less, but he has to do it. Um, but as far as, you know, including Doctor Strange. Now, this is not the first time in Spider-Man comics where Spider-Man's uh, identity has been erased from Follow of the minds of the people in the world. Uh, I don't believe that Doctor Strange had to do with each times. I think it's been done two times at least.
3: Mephisto. I could be wrong. Uh, Was Mephesto
0: Mephesto was the brand new new day. uh, Was
3: a brand new day or one more? I think it was brand new day or one more day.
0: Brand new day was the series, and then one more day. One more day was the comic. Was the was the last uh, little add on to kind of tie it into the the relaunch.
1: So, I mean, obviously, from uh, a planning uh, of MCU standpoint, Doctor Strange has to be a part of something that's including the multiverse because we get the multiverse of madness. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's like a whole conversation about how with these villains and them being fixed or cured um, and going back into now a different timeline because they're not going back into the timelines that we watched because that's just not how that works because the TVA doesn't exist anymore. So that's just going to keep going. Thank you. Love you for that. Right, there's so many things happening with this, and that will just continue to
3: happen now. <laughs> until it, it's so fucking cool. Until it doesn't, right? Until Kang I don't ends up, God, I don't know. you know, we, Lord, we, Lord geez, of all we time. Uh, Jonathan see. Majors is cast as Kang the Conqueror in Ant Man: Quantumania. so you know he's gonna, his ass is gonna show up at some point in time there, uh, at some point in time.
0: Yeah. Right. Exactly. Literally,
3: <laughs> literally. Um, and, and, and just, yeah. but I love God Jones. Yeah.
1: Oh, no, I was just gonna say, I was just gonna close out. I mean, I really love yeah. the inclusion of Dr. Strange because you know, even though his standalone film was good, Dr. Strange easily gets like kind of a backseat kind of persona in a lot of movies, uh, considering he's one of the most powerful characters in the MCU. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh,
1: but his powers are very, always like very understated. Like, you know, he does a little bit here, does a little bit there, but in this movie, we really got to see like a, a, like some good character development. I really enjoyed the fact that you got to see like a change from him being annoyed with Peter Parker to him more or less admitting that he, he has some strong emotion for this kid at the yeah. end of the movie. You know, you got to see like that change and how realistically Dr. Strange could have put the kibosh on this very early because because he, he cares for peter because he sees good in him and then that he deserves good things that he wanted to help him ended up you know kind of fucking the universe or all the universes um but i i really enjoyed you know benedict does an excellent job as doctor strange um and i'm just excited to see where this go where he goes further with his character and all the the few movies
3: One of the things that I particularly enjoy about Doctor Strange being positioned in this is that in this trilogy of films Peter Parker in each movie was given a mentor. Which if you kind of go into the Ultimate comics and you see some of the recent cartoons, you know, Peter Parker was never really left to figure it out on his own. He is basically anointed to be, you know, an Avenger or a young Avenger or a new group to lead. You know, because everybody kind of recognizes the skills, but, you know, we're in a world where Cap and Iron Man and Hulk and Thor are doing their thing, right? And where does this kid from Queens really fit in? So you position him in the first movie with Robert Downey Jr., and you really establish the strength of that relationship. And then in the second movie with RDJ and Tony Stark removed, you put him in with Nick fucking Fury, you know, the head of all of it, right? Right. And now in this movie Nick Fury is off world. He's been off world for an entire year. So now you put him with the fucking, you know, once and future sorcerer supreme. And, you know, these are all strong characters that can imp- that leave impacts and imprints on Peter Parker's character because he's still not even college age. So what does this line of influences mean for the future of the mcu and the future of peter parker um because i think that with these three movies they're laying the framework that peter is going to end up being the next tony stark um the next you know uh t'challa that he's going to be the one that's going to hold the whole thing together um and uh it's a great way to put uh doctor strange in and, and have him do that as well
0: yeah, I know what to me interesting first of all how could you not especially now as from a movie studio standpoint see the financial success of this movie and not go oh there we go there's uh, there's a, a big old chunk of glue that we were pretty sure was there but now it's definitely your your central building block but and after watching the movie driving home with the wife uh, we had a conversation about this and it was interesting that at the end of the film when you see strange talk about how the people that love you and that care about you will no longer basically telling Peter this fate that is in a lot of ways worse than death and telling Peter that he cares about him. And like, through the conversation, the discourse, because the, the MCU is so layered and it's so satisfying when you're all caught up and you see the little throws they make to the tiny things that you only know because you're a human with a brain and you have a memory and you understand all the stuff. But the fact that you got to go back to Infinity more, man, and Endgame and that Strange looked at all the possible realities and when the instances that would lead to this moment in time uh, of, of Thanos being defeated, and he saw that only one way would work. And it was that Tony Stark would have to invent time travel in order to come back and save the stones and save the human race and sacrifice himself. And the whole reason he does it is to save Peter Parker. Like that's his primary motivation. So here's this kid that not only not, that nobody will remember including the people that cared for Tony would not remember that the one guy that was the motivation to make Tony save the entirety of existence uh it's, so it's like one of those extra layers he's like you don't you know what you're giving up but you know that's again too that's why that's why he's Peter Parker right he did all of that and, and strange was the great the great instigator for that that plot point but um they could have. It was a. It was a genius fit. It's a genius fit because you could have gone through a thousand ways and a pseudo science way to have a hole get tore open in society or anything. But no, they just went. Hey, listen, it's fucking magic. We're telling you this in the previews. Get used to it. Worry about other shit for two and a half hours. Ah, <sighs> so good. But all right, Jafar. Yeah. So, so Doctor Strange is the reason, and that spell is the reason why you know reality tears open, and some of the wonderful villains of spiders past and present come flooding through. Uh, and the very first of which we see is the return of Alfred Valina as Doc Ock. I mean, that's pretty badass, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, you know the the villains, the returning villains, did such a phenomenal job. In this film and like dave said earlier like for them everything is very personal against peter like and even if you look at you know spider-man in general like if you talk about all of his mentors over time you know the the public eye they don't know that they don't know he's a kid but when he's vulnerable when he's not spider-man you're like oh yeah he's just a kid he's in high school like he's still figuring out life in general can even drive. I don't know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but to see the villains come back and, you know, for, for us as, as fans of Spider-Man and I've, I've been a a lifelong fan of Spider-Man. He's one of my favorite superheroes of all time. Mm -hmm. And so to see them come back from the old films, which I was also a big fan of, but slightly different, they're more mature. They're more modern, they're a little more, sinister but at the same time relatable um and i think that's what was the big draw was that these guys are all assholes and you know peter's trying to fix them but there's a level of of emotion that's tied to each of those characters that's like okay i see what he's going through and i can i can kind of relate to that maybe bad guys aren't all that bad until they're bad if you know what i mean (laughs) 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 yeah but but i and when you know so the way that they were hyping it with all the trailers and everything going in like we knew doc ock was there we knew goblin was coming we knew sandman was there electro was there lizard was there but like we weren't sure how they were going to get there like we knew they came through the portals uh when the spell goes awry but when they put doc ock on that bridge and it uh, the action immediately picked up and it didn't stop from that point forward as they slowly started introducing all the rest of the villains. And what I loved was that it was just like, all right, these guys are here. Let's do this, you know? Yeah. That's, that's
3: one of the things that we don't often get with MCU movies is that, you know, one of the great things they did with the first Avengers was they used Loki as the villain so that when Loki shows up, assuming you've been on this ride with them for a while. He hits the ground running. The movie hits the ground running. You don't have to worry about a first act establishing the villain, maybe turning the villain into the villain or giving them his, him, his or her superpowers. You don't have to worry about that. And, and like you said, Jeff, because we, you know, theoretically everybody knows who these characters are already because again, they it is the same people playing them. Yeah. Um, we can just hit the ground running.
2: Yeah. And I I think, you know, the performances that those guys gave, Alfred Molina and Willem Dafoe in particular, just out of the park. Like they killed oh. that roles. It was so good.
0: No, yeah. Uh first of all, I I believe that statistically, any movie with Jamie Foxx in it is cooler than any movie without Jamie Foxx in it. I mean, that just that's just how it is. And it's a and shame he opinion, wasn't in
2: Bad Boys too.
0: It's just Oh, listen.
2: Oh, maybe boy. He,
0: Maybe he was, <laughs> and we just don't know it. And that's why that's why it's so much of an enjoyable film, much more than Doc gives it credit for. <laughs> but uh, you know what we're going to do? Yeah. We're going to do Bad Boys 2, the musical one of these episodes. We're just going to perform it about dogs, the Doc's secret love affair. <laughs> that whenever <laughs> he quits recording these episodes, he, he, he puts down his phone, and he goes into his bedroom, and he pulls down the blinds and locks the door, and he opens up his closet. And there he's got a bubblegum sculpture, like, hey, Arnold made of the cover of the dvd of bad boys Two. and he, he just professes his love to it but um i, I to me going into this movie that the two weakest uh origin stories of all the spider-man villains that we've gotten in previous films were in no disrespect to the actors were, were electro and sandman you know and i, I right. think uh uh and they immediately rectified that with jamie Fox. Like about thirty seconds into him being in the movie, you're like, "Ah, oh, shit, there it is." And yeah. I think part
2: of it was because they let Jamie Fox be Jamie Fox, yes, as opposed well, to you know the version of Electro that we got in <coughs> Amazing Spider-Man Two, completely different guy, completely yeah. different personality, obviously a completely different look than we got in this movie, and it was a, it was a good change,
3: you know, <laughs> yes, and and and. Give them, give Marvel credit here for retconning some of this stuff. You know, um, number one, you know, the version of Electro we got was not the version of Electro I think anybody really wanted. You know, I think they went. I think that's the version of Electro from Ultimate Spider-Man, which is mm-hmm. kind of what the Andrew Garfield um, comic movies were kind of going along that line. Yep. Um, yeah. And then they made him more in this one because in this reality, the power was different. That it transitions him more towards the electro, that that classic electro, with the yellow suit and the star, and and I loved how they did that. But fucking mm-hmm. props, you know, one of the things about this movie that I loved, and you guys mentioned especially the performance of Willem Dafoe, who, will I'll get into that later. Um, mm-hmm. one of the huge complaints from the very first Spider-Man movie, and and no, I know your love of Willem Dafoe, right? It like is true. it's it's a deep love, everybody. Um. You don't cast Willem Dafoe in a role and then put a mask over his face Mm-mm. for, for the whole, for the whole movie. Right. And that's a basically what we do in the first Spider-Man movie by giving him that rigid goblin mask. But what do they do in the first, you know, five minutes of this movie break the fucking mask. Yep. So that the right. rest of the performance that we get is just 100% Willem Dafoe. And I think that made such a huge difference.
2: Yeah, what I really liked about that moment of him breaking the mask is they showed the mask being broken in the footage released up to the movie. And they were just getting everyone, myself included, to think, okay, his mask gets broken in battle. But that's not the case at all. Mm -hmm. That's Willem Dafoe. He's having this sort of internal struggle about who's in control, him or the goblin breaking the mask is sort of symbolic of that of him sort of breaking that bond even though as we all know how it turns out the goblin was in control the whole time but i thought that that sort of juxtaposition of him being the one to break the mask so that you could see him for who he is i thought that was a a pretty slick move
0: oh it's super clever and just to kind of keep going with what we're saying is that they took the ability to not just kind of smooth out the edges of these villains for the mcu now that they're in this massively successful franchise that they're in but i mean really the difference between what we know about how to make superhero movies from when the first spider-man came out to now and all the properties as just huge and it's grown and in the first spider-man you know you get the idea that oh here's a here's a, a greedy scientist who gives himself a secret serum and now he's a he's an evil person and that is was enough to suffice in the year 2000 for a movie you know and like as that that's all the motivation you need evil serum bad guy good guy has to stop them but in 2021 with all of the 5 million Marvel properties that have come out since then and all getting better and better and better of the subtlety they needed fresh motivation they needed to, to to smooth out and what I love about what they did with Defoe in this movie is they're like I'm we're not gonna change his personality in from the original one, we're just gonna explain why it is the way it is, and the answer was, oh shit, mental health. I'm like, oh, you know, like they didn't put a label on it, but now it's like, oh, this serum gave him super strength, super resilience, and it also made him a schizophrenic. And there it is, and now, and the schizophrenic side is a fucking psychopath, but the other side is there's a legit person inside of there the whole time that uh, that you can't uh, you can't predict when he's coming out or when.
2: When yeah exhaust he complete control yeah
0: and that's uh, there it is there it is and i think and to kind of flip there the only character that they didn't really give that kind of a smoothing out uh to was the sandman in a lot of ways in this movie because frankly and i mean this with as much respect as i possibly can muster it but i mean fuck the sandman in a lot of ways <laughs> <laughs> You're in a, you got a movie where you have all knowing eventually that all the spider parents are coming out. You've got the uh, you got Matt Murdock coming back. You've got J. Jonah Jameson in here. You've got Aunt May just looking super awesome the whole time. Uh, you've got John Favreau, all these other things going on. Do you really? And then all the other villains are coming back. You don't really need to do anything different to the Sandman. Uh, other than just immediately remind everybody that at the end of Spider-Man three, before he died, he turned babyface, right? And so, right, right. yeah, and that, yeah, how he's, he's
2: still looking out for Parker. Oh, he didn't
3: die; he just flew away. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, flew, flew away, flew <laughs> 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 a, 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 a puff of smoke. <laughs> yeah, that was almost that was almost out of the mummy returns, right? Yeah, um, yeah, and, right. and one of the several things that they kind of tripped on with that that third Spider-Man movie um they they didn't have to i i kind of thought it was weird that they left him in sand form for most of the movie i thought you know they would want to save a few bucks on the effects and just let thomas hayden church wear the shirt for a little while but um you know and and you mentioned it here too no and i, I want to say this before we really get into more of the movie um we're just going to casually bring fucking daredevil into this
1: oh yeah. my god,
3: you know yeah um i'm i'm marked Mm-hmm. when, when i you saw not? when i saw when i saw charlie cox walk in there right i mean just you're hoping for it it was always rumored right i don't know how they went ahead and somebody leaked that one but you know they did a really nice job of really avoiding it and then you know we just see the red glasses and we see the cane in the foreground yeah, and you mean. just know the devil of hell's kitchen is peter's fucking um legal counsel and they didn't have to do it because you're already setting up she hulk Mm -hmm. so you can already bring her in to represent peter if you needed to but you bring in daredevil for a reason and and i loved that that they did that and i love that they kept it with with charlie cox he did such a great job of the netflix shows and um you know, deserves to maintain the mantle of that character. And I can't wait to see where he's going to show up again. Next. It's going to be
2: great. Yeah, And now spoiler alert, we have daredevil and Kingpin in the MCU. Yep. Right. The Hawkeye.
3: Yeah. Played by the same fucking actors that played him so well yep. on the Netflix shows. Excellent. Exactly. You know, I, I
0: love that little subtle hint when he's like, Peter, you're going to be your, your legal troubles are going to no go away, but happy. Uh, you're going to need a real good lawyer because they're looking for that missing Stark tech. And then, because we know what we know, and they didn't even show it, they didn't make this movie about Daredevil. But you know, he's here in Happy's heartbeat, immediately jumped to a thousand whenever they mentioned the missing Stark tech. He's like, yeah, you're going to need a real (laughs) good lawyer. Like a real good one. Well,
3: and don't forget that Jon Favreau played in the Daredevil movie, uh, Foggy. Yeah. You know, Matt Mm. Murdock's partner. You know, and in a multiverse. I thought that would have been funny if they ended up having John Favreau facing off against John Favreau mm-hmm. in a multiversal <laughs> movie. We <You laughs> might still get it. We might still get it. But you can um, do whatever he wants now. You do whatever he wants now.
0: Uh, uh, but yeah, but I, I think there's a lot uh, there's a lot to be said. I think the only character that like, it got smoothed over, but the only one you really didn't need to change, and they didn't do it too too much, was was Molina and Doc Ock in this regard because it's alfred molina right i mean he's he's an actor's actor uh and having him be sort of the, the he's the pulse in a lot of ways of that of the villains in that movie he starts off he's maniacal chip is fried as brain doc ock uh but he's the first one that's cured and so you see that switch in that potential in uh, mm-hmm. that character and genius, and I think we could all, you know, we're trying not to to give too much love uh, to anything but this movie right now because we're all we're all Spider-Man fans here. But I think before the Marvel, uh, the MCU version of Spider-Man, I think we could all universally agree that probably, if not the best, the most universally enjoyed Spider-Man movie was Spider-Man Two, right? Yeah. With toby and, and Do Doc, right? Yep. And that was the one that kind of uh, any of your problems with the the way they portrayed Defoe in the first movie in the cartoon nature, they fixed it. You have the most iconic scene in the Tobey Maguire series with the train in uh, Spider-Man 2, Doc Ock, strong villain, strong resource, st- strong everything, right? Uh, and then to take that, uh, that exact thing and realize, okay, almost acknowledging, like, we didn't really do anything too wrong in that movie, so let's just keep that going and then build all of the other stuff on there. It was just... So much of this movie was a love letter to all things Spider-Man that came before this. And I think having Molina be the first one you see and ultimately proven to be a babyface at the end of the movie was just um, was just really, 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 really cool. Well,
3: and we, we get Spider-Man actually fighting in this movie. Yeah. You know? Um, a lot. In the first Spider-Man movie against Vulture, they really don't go hand to hand, Right. He really doesn't go hand to hand combat on Mysterio. But I mean, you really get to see Peter. So small. Yeah, you really get to see Peter in action in this movie. And man, the action pieces are phenomenal in this movie. That whole bridge sequence, like, I got chills when I was watching it. I remember I was sitting next to Steph in the theater. I remember grabbing her arm and just like, this is fucking awesome. Because even the clip they show you for the trailer and on the TV ads, don't do that sequence justice you know they they really oh, yeah. they really bring it uh in that and 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 that action carries as we get to the other characters in
0: the movie too when they really get to start fighting um well, yeah well just to, not to hop on you here but i mean what, what was cool though is here's spot here's doc Ock shows up and before that sequence So many of the sequences that we've seen Tom Holland deal with in a lot of these things, right, in the last couple of movies with the Avengers movies and uh, Far From Home are these big, huge action set pieces. He's fighting aliens. He's in outer space. There's drones and all of this stuff. And what that was was just Spider-Man trying to stop a car falling off a bridge while fighting a villain. And it still was fucking exciting and it it wasn't out of place. And so it was like, oh, yeah, we're going to scale it back a little bit with some well, of these sequences, and it was it was cool. There,
3: there's a lot of grandeur that gets... There's a lot of good stuff that Marvel does that gets lost in the grandeur of their storytelling sometimes. And I think you kind of saw that with um, Black Widow. I think you mm-hmm. saw that with the third act of Shang-Chi. Um, you know, when you have Endgame, where half the universe is at stake, and you have two armies going against each other, you can't keep telling that same fight scene time and time again, right? You know, I think my favorite fight scenes in the Marvel movies were... Captain America and the Winter Soldier when they had that knife fight on the streets, where you know it's practical. They choreographed it, you know, Shang-Chi the bus sequence. You know, even though there's a lot of digital elements, he's still fighting. You know, there's still that hand-to-hand combat. Um, you know, they didn't they even with how big this movie is, it's still it feels like an intimate movie with these characters. Um, they don't let the scope of what they're trying to accomplish overtake the movie.
0: Mm -hmm. All right, well, you can't talk about the scope and what the movie attempted to accomplish uh, without first saying that one of our our grand instigators to this movie sequence is, listen, one of the hallmarks of this series as opposed to its other iterations was that we got no Uncle Ben in this MCU. Uh, And Aunt May was way different. She went from being a little old lady baking a pie to being Sally Field, being just so fucking mean to Robin Williams and Mrs. Doubtfire that I'll never forgive her no matter (laughs) what movie she's in. Fucking douche. Even if Martin Sheen is her husband, which makes it tolerable to a certain extent. But they made movies ago in Captain America Civil War. They this made the super decision to cast Marissa Tomei as Aunt May, uh, making her both super accessible and being real super fuckable at the exact same time too and then here we are all these all these movies and all the iterations of it to pay off uh the way it did in this movie only for her last last lines to hit us with that fucking hit us with that line jones how did how did uh, you feel about the m a thing dude like what, what what went through your mind
1: um so I'm glad that I'm not the only person who, who picked up on it. Uh, Mackie said earlier uh, about how, you know, this movie was like an origin story. And I, and I, I agree totally. Um, the the entire, this entire trilogy of movies was the origin story of, of our Peter Parker, our Spider-Man, right? Because before that, we, he wasn't our spider he wasn't our Peter Parker yet. Right. You know, he was, everything was handed to him so on and so forth, but all of Peter Parker, it's tragedy, right? All of it is sacrifice. Yeah. All of it is loss. Spider-Man isn't Spider-Man until he loses and learns to lose and learns what means to lose and, in spite of it, to still fight and still do the, the right thing. then um, as far as the scene they uh did not expect that line. <laughs> oh. Did not expect that line. And when she dropped oh. it, I was just was like the 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 what like the, the sawdust in the theater you know i don't know cutting onions i don't know what it was but i fucking felt that shit i was mm-hmm. like get the. and i just like i turned to my wife and she's she's got the tears going down like ah, damn it and she doesn't even really truly appreciate the gravity of that fucking line that's how i know it was a yeah. good scene right mariel was just was same, so right? well done it was so well done and it was and so
2: of the three spider-man <laughs> origin movies that that line being read in each iteration of spider-man this was the first time they did it verbatim to the comic because there's one extra word thrown in there um but it was so emotional because you could a you could feel the pain of peter in that moment like he was completely broken he was completely Mm -hmm. vulnerable and even as he was getting shot at by the guys outside like he was still just so wrapped up in emotion because that's such a, a critical breaking point for Spider-Man as a character in any iteration, um, mm-hmm. and it, it was it was pretty emotional emotional for everybody. I mean, I don't think there was a dry eye in theater either viewing that I saw the movie. You know when that happened. They so fucking smart
3: of you know this creative team. You know, I don't want to. Kevin Feige's been a part of the, of Spider-Man since the first Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm, he was an associate right. producer on the original Spider-Man. Uh, Amy Pascal has also been a big part of this. Avia Rod has been a big part of this. You know, Obviously, the cinematic journey of Spider-Man through these years. They've all really been a part of it. I don't want to sit there and give credit to any one person over another because I don't know who made the decision to do this. But it was a very conscious decision that when you introduce Peter Parker and Tony Stark in civil war, and he is the, the, he, he says, when you can do what I can do, and you don't, and the bad things happen anyway, you're still kind of responsible. That's on you. That's on you. So we have with great power comes great responsibility said by Peter four years ago, five movies ago, without it being said. So you think to yourself, they're not going to say it. yeah, Because we've said it in every Spider-Man movie to this point in time, right? Number two, when Uncle Ben dies in the previous two iterations of Spider-Man, it happens in the first act of the movie of each movie. You spend no time with either Uncle Ben really on screen. You don't develop a relationship between the character or the audience in the character. Um. So, when he dies in the first movie, you go with it because you know it has to happen because that is the impetus that pushes Spider Man. Yeah, Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the second movie, people said, Well, why do we have to have the origin story again? Because we didn't care about it. You didn't care about it because A, you saw it already, and B, you spend no time with Martin Sheen as Uncle Ben, so it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But how fucking genius is it that you give us five to six movies? Of Peter Parker of uh, of Aunt May have that relationship build where you see how much he loves her and see how much she loves him and how she's shaping him to be a good man Teaching mm-hmm. him how to dance being the one there to try to show him how to tie a tie right and homecoming um, Making sure he takes his Spidey suit with him talking about the Peter Tangle in the second movie the payoff of them making that switch to happening in this movie is why the emotion was so good how fucking smart were they to be able to do that it was absolutely like i'm so upset that i didn't see it coming as as somebody who was told stories before didn't even think about it it was so perfect
0: so perfect there's uh that moment and i i take it because the film is so good and everyone who's in it acted so fucking well that whenever defoe sends the glider in at her and then there's the explosion all that other stuff and she gets up you buy it for a second she's like i just got to win out of and she's like, okay yes and then when she says the fucking line like, you like felt this the, is it yeah the you air know came out of everybody in the theater yeah. and, and my wife who has never seen any of the other spider-man movies until uh except for the ones in the mcu but knows that line right when she said that, my wife started crying and went, oh, no. Like, I'm like, like it's like, oh, you even, you know. <laughs> you know, you've never seen any of those. It's like, oh, God. I, but I mean, to just kind of say, like, to make the principal, there's two principal villains in this whole movie. There's all the other villains, right? And everyone does, there is the whole thing. But to make the one physical principal villain still Defoe. Like it, he's the motivator. He, it's like in that, like he, that, Willem Defoe and Peter Parker fighting each other started this whole goddamn thing, and here we are, you know, fucking all these movies later, you know, twelve movies with Spider Man, and and he's the Goblin is still the Goblin was, but to do it in such a clever way, in such a such a genius way, um, was ballsy, but an amazing. But the thing that I think is the unsung villain of this movie and a lot of spider-man story arcs is that the greatest threat to, to Peter Parker is spider-man and being spider-man and doing what spider-man does and himself and trying the whole concept of why he's the most relatable of all of these superheroes that we've had for all these years superman is fucking overpowered broken guy and batman's a rich kid that you know decides just to go away and learn kung fu and and get into some bondage play for his own fetish And, and they all make the money they make and they'll always still make the money they make but the whole idea is that peter parker never really he always wants to be peter parker Right. He has to be Spider-Man, but he always tries in every iteration from the ultimate comics to the amazing comics to the to every iteration of the movie. All he does spends all the time is just trying to be Peter Parker, but he can't. And it always leads to that realization that that the death of the character never really comes in the death of the form of Spider-Man dying. It comes in the form of the death of Peter Parker. Right. And that all he has to a certain point is being Spider-Man. Right. And I think that's that that, that is the the true villain. And it. it was literally physically summed up in us in this movie that it was his decision to be to try to be Peter Parker while being Spider-Man that ultimately led to all of this. And and Willem Dafoe absolutely like almost verbatim says that it's like, I'll, I'll make you into who you're supposed to be. Uh, and it does. It does. Mm-hmm. But speaking of being made into who you're supposed to be so you know rumor has it there's more than one fucking spider-man in this movie (laughs) (laughs) allegedly
2: allegedly Allegedly. and
0: how amazing was it that instead of some sort of big swooping reveal where tom holland's getting pummeled by six villains and all of a sudden two other spider-man come swinging out of nowhere they're just in ned's grandma's Engine. just in. oh by the way ned has the ability to do magic too yeah which has been in his family
2: for years according to his nana stole the sling ring <laughs>
0: and got the sling ring and then all of a sudden just casually walks and walks andrew garfield who we can all agree is the least and before this movie came out before the internet fucking exploded about it uh the least popular of the three actors to play spider-man and the least easily easily Uh, is the first one out, right? They save Toby for a little bit to be a little bit more subtle uh, and immediately endears himself to the entire fucking world (laughs) about three seconds (laughs) after being in this movie. Well, so,
3: you know, Andrew Garfield, to his credit, right? um, He is, he's going to be up, he's probably going to be up for an Oscar this year. Um, And I think, I believe he's already up for Gold Globe. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> keep that name out your mouth I I, I will always I will always <laughs> yes. sit that on your chest he will power. take
2: that shot okay. <laughs> every <laughs> chance I get oh, wait. Um,
3: so so you know he, he has been nominated for an Academy Award uh, before um, for uh, Hacksaw Ridge I believe he was nominated yes. for that um, he is a fine actor Um, he has gotten a shit end of the stick in this whole Spider-Man thing because those movies being what they were, were not his fault. It was Mm -mm. definitely the other people around. I thought Andrew Garfield of the three Spider-Mans was the one actor who got Spider-Man's personality. You know, we always talk about Batman. You know, everybody says your favorite Batman is Michael Keaton. Your favorite Bruce Wayne is Christian Bale. You know, um, and then who is really the person who like best encapsula- encapsulates the entire spectrum of that character? You know, maybe you go ahead and say uh, from Batman, the animated series, you know, um, mm-hmm. but like I've always felt that Andrew Garfield, much more than Tom McGuire, got the personality of Spider-Man about how you change when you put the mask on. Because when he puts the mask on, he's no longer the scrawny nerdy kid from Midtown High. He's a fucking badass who can stop a car with his bare hands going 50 miles an hour, and can swing and basically fly through the buildings in New York City. Right? Um, you know, I thought Andrew Garfield and his portrayal of Spider-Man got the personality, um, and I love that they they gave it to him because he denied. I watched a video on YouTube the other day. <laughs> He denied hard for a while five minutes of YouTube clips of him. Just denying being in Spider-Man, despite how yeah. whatever anybody tried to get him to say, um, because everybody knew he was in it and he knew he was in it and they knew he knew he was in it. And, you know, just to be able to finally like release that has to feel good for him that I can.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And for, for him. You know, if, if you go back and read articles and stories about, you know, his time as making The Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2, like, he loved, loved, loved Spider-Man. Like, that was all he ever wanted to do was play Spider-Man. And he felt like he didn't get the opportunity to do that character justice. And when they pulled Amazing Spider-Man 3 off the table and went with, you know, rebooting spider-man again for the mcu he was devastated and i think this was the ideal and perfect way to give him his redemption and i mean if you look at what's happening now on the internet i mean there's a lot of fan push for amazing spider-man 3 and pulling venom back into it and letting andrew garfield run that side of sony's spider-verse and let Mm -hmm. tom holland stay in the mcu I didn't even read about totally that. I'm totally okay be, with
0: that.
1: I'm no, perfectly
0: yeah. fine with that. That'd be crazy. Yeah, it makes yeah. Bit, putting him and Tom Hardy uh in, yeah. in that world together, which would make a lot of sense considering that you I mean flat out. Yeah. Uh I agree with you to kind of elaborate in there. I've always felt that you really have no one has yet to be the complete package as I imagine the Spider Man character to be. I think Garfield was the best quippy Spider Man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, Tom Holland has been the best Peter Parker as far as the the super antsy, super nerdy, the most awkward, if awkward was a viable palpable substance, that's what Tom Holland brought to the MCU. Um, and, and Tobey Maguire will be famous for having the, uh, the ugliest Spider-Man cry of all time. Just, just like snot coming down i mean that's you gotta you gotta respect your legacy but yeah um but garfield immediately it was the right it was the right decision i don't and the way it played if the whole thing for all of them but more him than anybody else it felt like closure for his spider man this movie oh yeah yeah like full-on closure for his spider-man and him as a person in a lot of those ways like his his run as spider-man and you know immediately as soon as he walked through that portal and he started having that conversation where he went up and got the cobweb and all that other shit, like you're like, oh, he's not, he's completely immediately endeared himself into these characters into this universe to the point which was interesting that you didn't think about it that in a movie where you knew. You didn't know for sure, but you knew that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield were going to be in it, and we knew for sure that all of these other villains. That by the end of the movie, the one character from the multiverse that you were most sad to see go was Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man. Nobody would have fucking predicted that—not not in a not in a million years, you know—and that that he immediately would would get himself in there. So,
2: yeah, and the way that he played it, I mean you could physically see the way that being Spider-Man has taken its toll on him Mm -hmm. and and how emotional he is and was compared to the other Spider-Men. Uh, it was just very endearing and very like you connected with him on an emotional level right away. And I thought it was, it was smart when they're like, show me Peter Parker and he's Spider-Man, but he's in the alley. And like, as soon as you saw him in the alley, you're like, that's not Tom Holland's suit. No, that's not. Oh,
0: and and that's that's not Tom Holland's buff ass frame. Like, I'm like, man, he's a
2: ah." a foot taller uh, (laughs) at least. Um, But for him to come out, and you know, I was disappointed when we in the screening that we were in together that there wasn't as loud of a a crowd reaction to those big moments. Mm -hmm. When I went on opening night, it was the, the theater was loud and cheering, and it was awesome.
3: Yeah, I I like that when he took his mask off because I mean you knew if you've paid any attention to the Spider-Man movies you knew that was Andrew Garfield's Spider suit as soon oh, yeah. as you saw it. Mm, it's yeah. very mm-hmm. the eyes in particular the mask yeah. is very is very um um distinct. Um, he had stubble, he had a five yeah. o'clock shadow, like you could you could see that there was a passage of time for us. Um, since we last saw Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, because you know, I mean what he was only like six years ago or so, seven years ago was mm-hmm, the last yeah, time he played it.
2: 2014.
3: Yeah. So he's not that much older now as a human, right? But it shows a little passage that, you know, his Peter's been through some shit. Giggity, that's what she said. Thank yeah. you. Um, <laughs> um, but you know, and his character of the three certainly has you know not just losing his uncle ben but also losing his mj losing gwen stacy and you know knowing that he couldn't that he that he had the ability to do it and he failed you know when she when she snapped i mean that to me was always the hardest part of that of those movies was oh, yeah. that you know when she when she snapped right um and i love that mm-hmm. in in the three spider-man movies we we get these repeating beats you get the Uncle Ben beat, which paid off here, but you also get the MJ beat. You know, in the first um, Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire, you know, Goblin's got the infamous, you know, Roosevelt Island tram scene where he drops MJ and drops the tram. Peter, you have to choose, right? He succeeds; he saves both. And the second, Gwen drops. He catches her, but she snaps, breaks her neck, she dies. And then we get the third, which we, again, we see it in the trailer for the movie, but you get that third moment where now our MJ, our Michelle is going to fall. And how's that going to play out that, you know, there, there's always that thing that, you know, matter how many times you try to go change fate, the same beats still always kind of like happen. I love that that pays off here too. Um, But you see the scarring that Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man has had from that. And, you know, he even says that to Peter. Uh, when they're talking about how his how he went to a really bad place and he wasn't throwing his punches anymore you know the rage really consumed him after after gwen died so
0: yeah yeah and, and it becomes a whole a whole subplot is in both meta and and in literal cinematic terms the redemption of of andrew garfo's peter parker you know being the one to catch her and being the one and having no real lines of dialogue in that scene where he catches michelle and th- just to know like and it just made you feel good because even if how you thought about the movies like oh we never got a positive resolution for that guy because that's Spider Man 2 ends with the rhino thing right and like to kind of yeah. take you into a new space but you don't get the, the positive ending for peter in that movie so his his edge of garfield's off and and you know the nether but uh it was interesting as you mentioned the passage of time in this movie right like and and the realization obviously de-aging everybody a little bit uh in the villains side of things because they should look as if the moment that they died right Right. uh and and what they did with defoe i think was was super cool make it good but not make it subtle um but as far as reveals and the passage of time that we got andrew garfield he comes up he's obviously at that moment he's spider-man Right, and he was doing his Spider-Man thing when he got pulled in in this universe, walking around looking. And he's now in his mid twenties, and he's off being vengeful Spider-Man in the universe. And then Toby shows up, and he looks like he had been yanked out of shopping at IKEA <laughs> for like a new love seat. You know yeah. what I mean? He's got the jacket on. Was. Yeah, he he had a he had a in his cart. Like he is, and he all he was thinking about was pizza time. When he got pulled him to another universe but how how interesting of a i mean because despite his best efforts being spider-man defined toby Maguire's career you know um oh yeah garfield got away with it got away yeah. from it to a certain extent even though he wanted to be defined by being spider-man but hacksaw ridge and the imaginary of dr parnassius and the new movie that he's out now that is is doing really well um besides this one but toby never got away from being spider-man yeah right and to kind of but we didn't get as much he wasn't as much of a fill me in on what you've been doing for the past 20 years toby he was like i'm okay it's hard and we're doing it but it was more of a throwback hey do you remember when whereas garfield's was a well this is this is all about completing andrew garfield's run as spider-man to yeah. a certain extent. But Doc, I mean, how did you feel when when uh, Tobey Maguire comes out with his dinner jacket? Uh, just looking like he like he was rather had been anywhere else when he got sucked into this universe.
1: Uh, well, uh, that's a good question. I th- and I'm going to disagree partially with with the general consensus. I think that uh, Tobey Maguire is in my mind the best Peter Parker, uh, okay. or is. Andrew Garfield's easily the best Spider-Man in terms of personality and wit and charm. Uh, but I think Tom Holland does a really good job of kind of getting them both down pretty well, yeah. not perfect. The balance, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Tom Maguire, as much as I do, and I, I'm such a big fan of uh, how Tom Holland plays these, the, these characters, because they're two different characters, really. Um, Tom Maguire is Spider-Man to me. Uh, He always will be Spider-Man, which, like you said, Um, and I think that the Spider-Man we got to see, which was really cool, as much as I enjoyed everything with Andrew Garfield and his arc, and and, and don't get me wrong, when he saved MJ, again, emotional moment, I felt that shit, if you know, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, Um, yeah, part
2: of that was, part of that was because he's like, are you okay? And she's like, are you okay? Like, she could tell, like, he's he's been through something like this before. Yeah. Uh, he's been through some shit.
1: <laughs> but um, I really enjoyed I, I talked to a couple people about their thoughts on Tony McGuire, and they felt like, yeah, he didn't really do much. And, and, you know, he didn't have to. You know, he's been there and done that now a lot. Uh, and we are looking at a man in, at peace and who he is and, and what he has to do and the sacrifices that must be made and the danger that comes with being who you are. And I thought that, like, every scene he was in, when he's interacting with Tom specifically, like he's just exuding this big brother vibe. Like, it's cool, man. Like, mm-hmm. it's fine. We're good. Like, when he goes and, you know, jump ahead, but when he goes to st- try to stop Peter from killing uh, the goblin, right? He's just giving them this look like, I've been here. There's no need for this. Like, I- and I-, I fucking felt that moment, right? He didn't have to say anything really. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really cool that you look at these three different human beings playing the exact same character and they're just just different parts of this journey. They're just different emotional states that they've all been on. You know, I think that maybe the Toby Maguire Spider-Man hasn't been at the position Andrew Garfield Spider-Man was in, you're wrong, because he has, right? Mm-hmm. He's been that in that path. And then Tom Holland's character was starting to creep into Andrew Garfield's path right? It, it's just really cool watching, just looking at this is the timeline, this is where you go, this is where you're gonna go, you know, but eventually, you can make it to a point of peace. And uh, I thought those is that was beautiful, actually, for a comic book movie. I thought it was just really cool. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I think it was a nice little subtle touch. So you know, you 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 gener- you when you first see Garfield, he's dressed as Spider Man, you know, and then he you know, takes the hat off and he's Peter Parker, you see Toby Maguire, he is Peter Parker that they know, Peter Parker wants all his life that he strives for is to just kind of generally be Peter Parker as much, if not more than he's Spider-Man. But then later when they make the joke, like, are you going to just go dressed as this or, and then he pulls out his jacket and he shows the the suit underneath, which is, which is cool. But it gives you that subtle idea is that this has been a long time from the last time we saw Peter Parker to now, when he comes through that game and despite everything he's been through, he's still Spider-Man. Like he was yeah. still Spider Man in his world in his universe, so, man. That yeah. through all the bullshit that he inevitably probably went through, and all that time, he st- he never lost his way, which is like one of those types of things So it let you know for both of the other Spider Mans that he's dealing with that it's possible, man. That yeah. you you well, you, you, so that so you cool. can FBs. You can never you can you can find your way again back to it.
2: Yeah, and I, what I really and, liked was you know Herb, you mentioned sort of the big brother feeling. Uh, to his spider-man but he brings this sort of level of calmness mm-hmm. to the role mm-hmm. where it's like yeah some of it's going to be hard i mean you're fucking spider-man like this is how it goes but that you can find peace in that and almost like coaching them like yeah all right andrew garfield like i know you're going through some depression but you're awesome you're amazing like you amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to help build you up because you're better than you think you are. You just have to get yourself mentally to that point. And I think, I think that brought a level of ease to the other two Spider-Men knowing that. Yeah. Shit seems crazy now, but it'll calm down if you let it at least you know, in your head. You know what I mean? Toby's. Yeah.
3: Toby's Spider Man always represented the original comics. You know, Sam Raimi always professed that his Spider Man movies were meant out of the Silver Age, you know, Spider Man storylines, right? And he wanted to use those characters. He wanted to use Sandman, Dr. Octopus. You know, he wanted to use Vulture. He did not want to use Venom. You know, Venom was a Sony push on Sam Raimi's third movie, and you can see where it fell apart, you know. Too many hands in the cookie jar, man. It just changes the narrative. Too
0: many Topher fucking graces in the cookie
2: jar. Um, they, um, yeah, just to- just one is too many.
3: Yeah, so, to be the one mm-hmm. to, to him. I mean, they couldn't bring James Franco back for obvious reasons, but they could have brought Topher Grace back, and they was like, you know what? You know, we're just gonna leave this one out. We're just gonna yep. we're gonna, pl- we're gonna pl- let the one play off.
0: Nobody at Marvel <laughs> returned his call. No, <laughs> <they did not>. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, but you know. He, you, in, in, in the comics when, when Spider-Man gets older, he gets married to MJ and they want to have a family and things like that. That's what Toby got in his storyline. Yeah. You know, I like where he mentioned that, you know, him and MJ are together, but they're problems, right? As as because, you know, really at that point, guys, Toby McGuire's us at this stage, right? He's about yeah. our age. His Spider Man is about our age. You know, his Toby his Peter Parker is about our age. And you guys know, being married and, and you know, uh, with our uh, wonderful, wonderful women in our lives. Wonderful who, women. Who make she us stronger hurt. and make us better than we could ever have thought we could be. But, you know, when you are in those relationships, you have compromises. You have things you yeah. have to make decisions on. And there are parts of you that you bring with you into your relationship. Imagine bringing fucking Spider-Man into your relationship with somebody. <laughs> And and the challenges that has. I mean, sometimes you know we all get yelled at if we're maybe a little bit too loud in the evening playing video games, or you know if we're maybe staying out a little bit too late with the guys and not giving a phone call about when we're coming home or something like that. We're recording
0: Uh, a podcast at three a.m. Yeah,
3: exactly. And 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 (laughs) at as and at as loud a volume as possible. Fuck you, right? (laughs) Uh, With with our infants (laughs) and children in the rooms with us. But you know now now you got to sit there and be like, okay. I'm going to go out and fight Craven the Hunter right now. So I might not be home for dinner. Oh, by the way, if I come home at a certain time, Craven may just fucking follow us, but you know, until <laughs> death do his part. So yeah. throw those wrinkles of the relationship on top of everything that's going on with Peter. And, you know, you get, you get what Toby McGuire is going through at that point. It's like, yeah, MJ and I did figure out after the whole shit happened with Harry and, and, and his goblin and everything in the last movie, we did figure it out, we did make it work, but you know, we're still working it out. It doesn't ever stop. But like you guys said too, his Peter did find peace with being able to be Peter Parker and Spider-Man, um, but he also had that love to nurture him in with that as well. And I just thought mm-hmm. that was so cool that, you know, and they they set all that up with just a couple of lines of
0: dialogue. You know. They did um, speaking of lines of dialogue I got to ask the question again like we all hoped and 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 prayed that we would get three spider-mans in this movie and they would have interaction with each other more than just a passing thing but could anybody have predicted how incredibly satisfying the three of them talking about casual bullshit for as long as they got <laughs> yeah. the bullshit. It was that's amazing. Awesome. Like that, yeah. at the, at, did anyone else go, okay, stop, everyone stop the movie, and can we just talk about this? Like, that's Q intermission, let's come back, and let's have a conversation <laughs> about anything. Yeah. Anything. The fluid coming out of Tobey Maguire's arms and them being grossed <laughs> out by it. Has it
2: come out anywhere else? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I I think them geeking out to each other was so relatable to us geeking out about Spider-Man mm-hmm. that it it was just like, this is fucking awesome. I could watch two hours of this.
1: Yeah. Hundred awesome. percent.
3: And and you're talking about classic lines of dialogue. I want to get the part when they're when he's talking to when when Electro is talking to Peter Parker. Yep. And the mask is off. Because remember in, in the movie, Electro doesn't necessarily know that Peter Parker and Spider Man are the same person, but mm-hmm. and he goes, you know, coming from um Queens, you know, and doing all the things that you do. I was kind of took you for a black man. Right. And then you're thinking to yourself, miles Morales, yeah, because you right. know, we, we all, as Spider-Man fans can, can just love, and especially with within the spider verse, right. Um, they have hinted at miles throughout these movies, you know, with, um, Donald Glover playing the character who's ultimately the Prowler. And we still haven't gotten that yet. I, I would love <laughs> to get Donald him. Glover as the Prowler and another Spider-Man movie. Right. He's yeah. like, yeah, you know, I got a nephew who's, who's out there, you know, He's, they, they keep dropping miles all over the place. Um, I thought that was kind of a neat little, little tip of the hat. Cause you didn't know if you're going to get Spider-Gwen with this, you know, if maybe mm-hmm. Emma Stone was going to show up as, as Gwen Stacy, Spider-Man, right. Or you never if we were going to get anything else.
0: I you could have even gotten, uh, I mean, the movie would have had room for you to bring in a completely different Spider-Man that we had no idea about. And then I'm like, oh yeah, you'll work that out later. Bring <laughs> <him that laughs>
3: <just, man. laughs> in <Pringin> just animated <laughs> Spider-Man Noir with Nick Cage voicing it again. <laughs> so <the> cool. spider Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why why is the why is your coat flapping in the wind there's no wind wherever i go the wind follows like, i thought it was great
0: i thought it was really it was, uh, that interaction was again and, and the things this whole movie sums up in a phrase it's like they didn't have to do that for us right but they did it but that that interaction with jamie fox and andrew garfield there on the scaffolding where he talks about I, I i just was hoping that you were black and andrew garfield apologizes like yeah right the really game. but giving us idea that like that's the acknowledgement that the one version of spider-man missing from this is miles morales but give it time we have a Mm -hmm. long time to go with this uh there's no way yeah so much time because you know ultimately where the movie ends up is the way it, it's where, how y'all know Peter Parker and what we all think of. We don't think of him as an awkward high school student. When we think about the thing, he's in a shitty apartment that he can barely afford because he can't hold a job because he's fucking Spider-Man and that takes precedent and everything else. And he's alone.
2: Yep, And in it is cl- classic comic accurate suit. Oh, so good.
0: Yes. That was so fucking
3: good. I, I, <laughs> I, so I so all over that, that we got, we finally got the classic comic Spider Man suit that he sewed himself, you know. Yep. Mm-hmm. He did. He did. You know, it's, it's, Happy has that line in the second movie when they're in the plane, where and then Tony's playing with the machine, the fabricator, the fabricator. And he goes, You're all alone. You got no support. You don't have any tech. You just have yourself. What are you going to do? And he made the decision at that point to be Spider Man. Mm-hmm. But realistically, he still had his tech. He still had his support. He still had everything. I was heartbroken at the end of this movie for Peter because mm-hmm. he was completely and utterly alone. Everything that he earned in his life, whether it is the association with the Avengers, which everybody knows Spider-Man's still an Avenger, but they don't know it's Peter. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, he didn't lose that aspect of it. But his best friend... You know, the, Man, his, life, tough. his family, he has a, he can't even go back to high school Mm-mm. because nobody remembers who Peter Parker because the spell wasn't forget everybody who knows that Peter Parker, Spider-Man, the spell was forget everybody that to know that it's Peter Parker. It changed from the beginning of the movie to the end where it completely left him as, as alone. He couldn't go back to mm-hmm. high school. He couldn't even go back and try to pretend like he was a new kid in school and reintroduce his relationships. Um, I loved at the end that he had the entire speech written about what he was going to say to MJ. And when he got to where he couldn't, because there's a part of him, I think, that still knew what every Peter Parker knows. Is that if I'm going to bring you back into this, I'm bringing you back into it, not just for the good that's selfishly mine but for the bad that comes with it as well, by putting you constantly in danger, which I've done for, you know, two and a half movies already, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and he just chose, cause he didn't even go up and say hi to Ned. I think the relationship with Ned would have been easier for him to like reform, right? Um, but, you know, he just kind of established it a little bit and he's like, you know what, I'll come back to it. Cause she was still wearing the necklace. Mm-hmm. She still had the broken black Dahlia around her neck uh, that I loved that she, even though that she didn't remember who he was, she still remembered what that meant.
0: Mm. That's yeah, that was it was a really nice. cool. Yeah, I got you please, no, please go.
1: Uh, well, I was just gonna say like that whole scene was um, a very and obviously very, amazing. and it was just to put yourself in the position of Peter Parker after everything that has happened. I mean, saving the world, saving the universe, uh, and watching, you know, Saying goodbye to your best friend, saying goodbye to the woman that you love, and saying, All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna solve this, I'm gonna find you and then the moment he sees them happy without him, that their life just to, go on.
3: Talking about going him. to college, you know. Yeah. yeah. And it's like
1: that 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 is the first park decision he made, right? As yeah. a man. Look at it and say and he saw the bandage on her head and he's just like, It could have been so much worse. Why? Why do that again to her? When it probably can end up worse after meeting Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man and learning about what he went through. There's that whole layer of that now he knows like it it was just I I, I'm not like, well, what I do in that situation? I I know. But I I feel like I I feel like you love somebody that much. The way he loved Ned and loved MJ. That's the the decision that you make. You know, you love them so much you want them to be happy. And if that means happy without him, then so be it you know and that was just really uh, a cool scene
0: oh such a cool scene yeah and they they uh they they really know how to tie things up and interesting too the last sequence the very last sequence when he jumps out of the window of his new shitty apartment and he goes swinging out to be spider-man uh i can't help but notice now knowing what we know at the end of uh, uh of the year here having all seen. spoiler alert if you haven't seen hawkeye the entirety of it fuck you Right, also, as well, what are you doing? (laughs) Are you doing anything that looks remotely Marvel-related here, if you haven't caught up? That's on you. It's not on me. I'm not your father, okay? And if I am, I don't know about you, and I will legally disavow the knowledge of you. But he swings over the tree in Rockefeller Center, thus placing us, knowing what we know now, pre the season finale of Hawkeye, which was cool that they mentioned the new and improved Hmm. Statue of Liberty in that, right? Yeah. You wouldn't put together until you saw what they had done in Spider-Man, right? So it just kind of like weaves in like all of these moments into an, an exciting new era. Look, we know where the grounded reality of the MCU is at. We've got Peter Parker is all alone, and he's in a fresh. Sp- Peter Parker post. Now he's got an origin story and he's got a whole new set of things. To, we, they could introduce their own Gwen Stacy, all the other new villains. We know that Vulture's in jail. The guy who eventually becomes the Scorpion's in jail with the Vulture. Uh, you, know, you know, you got the Prowler out there. Are tons of people. Um, Craven
3: the Hunter is one of the next ones that's going to be coming involved with Sony. They, they've got. And I wish they didn't do Aaron Taylor Johnson for this, but it's Aaron Taylor Johnson be playing <sighs> Craven the Hunter. I mean, if if,
1: if, if, if
3: if the only person on your list to play Craven the Hunter isn't Jason Momoa, what the fuck's wrong with you? Like, he's the only person I think who just put Cal Drogo in a fucking lion suit and let him chase <laughs> Peter Parker around and just take my money. All of it, please. Um, but um You know yeah they they, they've got the pieces in place where they can keep it going it just depends on where they want to keep it going Um, one of the things that I noted about this is that in Tobey Maguire's movies he loses Uncle Ben but he also loses Harry and he loses Harry because of Mm -hmm. you know his own doing right his own decisions again you know I I made the wrong decision when I became Spider-Man. I lost my uncle. That was supposed to be my moral compass. I still ended up losing my way. I lost another friend, too. Right? And Andrew Garfield, same thing. You know, I I lose my way a little bit once I become Spider-Man. It causes Uncle Ben to to kind of die. And then, you know, I put Gwen in danger. She dies as well. Um, The only death that our Peter Parker has in Tom Holland's versions is that it's Uncle Ben and, you know, Aunt May, so he doesn't have that secondary loss at this stage. And because he doesn't have that family support and everything, you know, he's obviously not going to be really working his way towards selling photographs for the Daily Bugle or anything like that. But um, I see him as, you know, getting an internship at Stark Industries. I see him recreating himself. I see him becoming the heir apparent to what was his ultimately anyway you know but getting you, those uh, things back
0: you mentioned stark though but i mean also are the mcu's spider-man peter parker lost tony stark yeah, yeah that a lot takes that was part but not at his in di- b- but not back. in his doing well no yep yes I'm going to hop in here and slap you with a big dick of uh, of a geek out here because he did, because the whole reason Tony Stark ever events time travel and saves the fucking universe is because he feels guilty over Peter Parker and bringing Peter Parker into this. And it is Peter Parker's demise that causes Tony Stark to do everything that involves him ultimately snapping the stones and killing himself and which Peter Parker has to watch him die the same way Peter Parker has to watch uncle Ben die and all the other things. So in a lot of ways, putting a geek realization here tony stark was the uncle ben of this mcu mentoring keep d- get, guiding him along so mm-hmm. yeah i mean he um and yeah and we also got harry killed it just at least if, if harry never knew that peter existed in the first place so i think you got you can you have such a heavy hitter with jay jonah jameson now in the mcu right hunting Spider-Man, that you got, you got to lean into that that relationship once again to show that as many things has change for our version of Peter versus the previous versions of Peter. Certain things stay the same. Certain things stay the same always, yeah. always, right? So, so you got to lock up, and it's still because that still gives you the idea that here is in the world where we had Thanos and the rings and time travel and all of this other stuff, and now we have a time travel new subplot with with kang the conqueror and loki being a baby face and doctor strange and the multiverse of madness and the scarlet witch doing all this stuff spider-man now uh has been grounded in a lot of ways and that can kind of bring the mcu up from this very relatable not high concept you've had to see all 29 other marvel properties to know where ant-man 3 needs to be which you're going to Mm -hmm. you can't understand probably the entirety of ant-man 3 without seeing almost every single marvel property beforehand but being as that they reset spider-man he nobody knows who he is he's completely all alone he's got no tech and he's just in a shitty apartment someone can take their kid to spider-man four now without seeing a single movie and probably get just the general gist of it and that there's your yeah. two
2: bookends of it
0: yeah Yeah, he's completely
2: grounded at this point and relatable because he he doesn't have absurd superpowers he doesn't have absurd amounts of money No, he's just he doesn't have the iron
3: iron spider suit's gone he's not invincible anymore
0: the government shut down the stark network which is going to have ramifications throughout the mcu Mm -hmm. in general right what are the new avengers that don't exist yet but will what are they going to use right pim tech uh, or read whatever
3: whatever you get in wakanda man or <laughs> i mean you're already yeah. you already saw in falcon winter soldier you know winter soldier went to go get falcon's new suit and his new wings uh out of wakanda
0: maybe so, you can um, try to you know get some networking outsourced to Reed richards going forward a little bit where well, we're at so so. <laughs>
2: planting those
3: seeds um on, on one other note for this movie, everybody, as we've kind of gotten to the you near know, the conclusion, I just want to say um, how fucking brilliantly acted. I thought this movie was. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. From, from really everybody, you know, if you look at the, the accomplishments and the accolades of the cast uh, that they've assembled around Tom Holland, you know, who really, you know, him Zendaya uh, and the actor who played Ned, I'm sorry, I forget his name off the top of my head right now, but, Surrounding these three kids with Marissa Tomei, an Academy Award winner, you know, Robert Downey Jr., uh, I think he won for Chaplin.
0: No, he was nominated and win.
3: Nominated and win. Um, you know, Alfred Molina, Willem Dafoe, Jamie Foxx, who's got an Oscar, you know, um, Thomas Hayden Church, who's been nominated a few times. Um, you know, even Ray Fiennes, right? I think that's how you say his name. Even Ray Fines. Ray if fines, right? Um You just put so many talented actors around these guys. And I think in this movie in particular, I think this was probably the best acted movie of any Marvel movie I've seen, any of them, like from X-Men up to this point, you know, uh, of any Marvel property. And uh, Tom Holland fucking acted his ass off in this movie.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, his performance in this movie on top of all the others, regardless of the box office draw that this movie is ultimately going to have, he's really cemented himself as a leading man and driving a seven or eight figure salary for any movie going forward Mm -hmm. easily. Yeah.
3: Oh, he's going to make so much money when they try, when they go to re-up his contract for this, you know, it's going to be three, three more Spider-Man movies, three Avengers movies, and then three Sony pictures universe movies you know we're talking he's gonna get a nine-figure deal guys
0: Uh, i know that oh yeah plus plus box office receipts if his agent was smart they would be doing it right now before uncharted comes out and doesn't and even (laughs) if uncharted (laughs) bombs (laughs) yeah even if uncharted does well it can't stack up compared to this
2: right Well, well even that so like they just dropped the new uncharted trailer a couple days ago once they saw the the numbers after the first week of Spider-Man, they're like, oh, yeah, we got this Tom Holland movie coming. Let's yeah. get this out and start driving the hype train for that ASAP. <laughs>
0: Let's get it going. Please forgive us that we, we didn't know that, what uh, what we have on our hands, and we put Mark Wahlberg in this movie. But please actually still come and see this movie. <laughs> we beg of you. We'll see how that goes. But It's a, a little what,
1: off topic. Have any of you guys seen Devil All the Time?
2: No. Not yet. Yes. Oh man, it's fucking good. But Tom Holland is really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's fucking yeah. good. Please, yeah, he, he acts the shit out of that movie too. Yes. it's really I, good.
1: Everybody does such a good job in that film, but it's 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 excellent.
3: Yeah. You know, yeah, it, it's it's kind of weird when you we, we've had Tom Holland for for what um, six movies now, mm-hmm, right? Two Avengers, one Captain America, Civil and then and three Spider-Man, Spider-Man movies, yeah. right? And and really in, like, five years, pretty much, where we've gotten all that. You know, I, I, I hope nothing but good things for Tom Holland. He seems like he's a good kid with his head on his shoulders. You know, he's really at the beginning of what could be of an extremely promising career. You know, you hope that just these, these that he could stay grounded in the world that he's in and and still be able to be successful, you know?
2: And that's why I think it was smart to end the movie the way they did, because... You don't need a teenage spider-man anymore he's Mm -hmm. an adult spider-man now and you can whether they recast it or not they can they can keep tom holland going as spider-man for as long as they want to because he's no longer a kid in high school or college he's an adult living in nyc yeah
0: no yeah and with the minute you realize if when because the bubble will eventually burst on all things marvel and all things superhero and if they get tempted to refresh it make it younger well, then <laughs> that's what look at that. we got a guest covered in puppy gas <laughs> like busted, awesome. busted in, <laughs> but, uh, but <laughs> that's when you, bring what, miles it's, what, in, it's, it's right? what she
3: does, man. It's what she does when this is this is her office and we're just living in it. It's her space. Yep.
0: But yeah. When you need to freshen up Spider-Man and bring it back to a younger audience. That's when you bring miles in and you have, uh, aged Tom Holland, teach a young miles, the ways of the thing and the fucking world keeps moving on. right? But speaking of moving on, that's it for 2021, guys. What a year. This is a our hell of a year. We did yeah. it. We made no. it. Gentlemen,
3: one of my every year, beginning of every year, I try to set some some goals for myself. Um. You know, some of them might be physical goals. Some of them might be financial goals. Some of them might be have, just, have hey, sex
0: with a lot of dudes um, Get paid just to have sex with a lot of dudes. Find somebody I'm
3: with four extra arms like Dr. Octopus and just have them have their way with you. You know, yes.
0: have sex with one dude who feels like a bunch of dudes. Just all sorts of
3: extra arms, all sorts of places, all sorts of crevices. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that I had had on my list the last couple of years was to finally record a podcast, you know? And, uh, you know, gentlemen, as we, as we take uh, 2021 into 2022 here, I just wanna thank you guys for uh, for doing this, for creating this, uh, for having this outlet, and for, uh, you know, having me be a part of it. Uh, this has been probably outside of, you know, some some wonderful relationship things with my beloved Stephanie and my family. Um, one of my highlights of this year. So, you know, thank you for uh, letting me be a part of it and going on this journey with you guys.
2: Yeah, I, I echo that aside from the things that he does with Stephanie. I don't want to get in trouble. But uh, <laughs> You were but, you were there. But, but thank you guys for letting us be a part of it. You know, we, we came in on a few guest spots early on and uh, become regulars and we're just happy to be a part of it. So thank you guys for getting the wheels in motion uh for nothing good it's been a blast so far yeah
1: wow you're fucking welcome <laughs> absolutely it's a, a, a fucking goddamn. Pleasure and, and that's the and that's
2: last on. time i'm gonna tickle
3: your asshole with my with any part of me as we move forward on <laughs> this because after this it'll just be fuck you it's it's, it's, it's so well
1: this the whole experience um <laughs> with the podcast with you know no one coming to me back in fucking like was it May or, or June? It was pretty fucking early. It was early. And and like, man, I, I think we should try this out. And I'm like, ah, okay. Well fuck I mean, we we have reached a point in our adult lives where there's some stability. Uh there's extra money hanging around typically. Uh and space to do things, you know, and room to breathe, be able to do things you want to do. Uh, mm-hmm. after working nine to five or whatever you work. And um it has been such an interesting experience for me. Uh, it's, it's been a great experience, and it's it's a constant challenge um, to, you know, be yourself, be entertained, uh, have a good time. But what makes it easy uh, for me is that some of my closest friends are are weekly on this call with me, uh, which is it's it's excellent. I'm just really pleased that this is actually happening. And whether, you know, no. One I used to joke and say, well, you know, if we get 10 people to listen uh, every week, that's like a fucking, that's, that'd be amazing. That'd be, that'd be like the best thing ever, actually. And yeah. we get typically you know, 20 plus downloads a week, uh, which is considerably more than I could have ever guessed or ever, ever expected. So it's just, uh, we think everybody on, you know, who listens to us. Uh, who thinks we're even remotely entertaining or interesting to listen to? Uh, we greatly appreciate that. And I don't know what the fuck's wrong with your sense of humor, but I'm glad you're <laughs> here, uh, but, <laughs> right? Um, yeah.
3: No, and, yeah. and 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 people around the world have discovered this, right? You
0: know? that's the weird. <laughs> that, to me. That's that's yeah.
3: pretty. It's pretty crazy, you know. We always joked around with some of our our Dangerwood work and some of the views we've gotten on YouTube and other streaming services. You know, who's watching this and we can kind of see a little bit that you know there who's listening to this and you get uh you get ireland and you get germany and you get canada and you get peru sweet sweet,
0: sweet, sweet peru sweet sweet sexy peru. peru
3: you know australia but new south wales you guys said yeah in uh, new zealand <laughs> and everything I mean, yeah like it's um our midnight listener you know which
0: i wanted to say is first of all through all things, thank you to our to the Midnight Listener uh, for for being who you are and what you do. Uh, not only as a part of the show, as an unspoken hero, but as a, a constant presence. But I just want to say, the Midnight Listener seems like a really shitty superhero name. Like <laughs> <laughs> when the MCU gets down to the bottom, we're like we're gonna, we're like we're gonna have to try to get ourselves super excited. For the uh, for the Lady Archer and Moon Knight crossover series that we're going to have to deal with when the bubble bursts, feels like oh you know who we need to call the Midnight Listener. It's like <laughs> they, they didn't actually do anything, <laughs> but he hears. That's it. Well, that's that's
3: pretty much it's pretty much Night Nurse the right. way that you're kind of like describing it a little bit there. Um, oh, I can't fucking wait for Moon Knight. Oh, we'll yeah, talk Oscar's about right? that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, I think I think they're going to nail that one. But mm. yeah, the fucking our, our, uh, our, our night listener. Yeah, I have a question.
0: Get it. I, well, I
1: I have two big questions. But I have one real specific question. Uh, of all the MCU properties that are gonna come that we know we're on their way. We don't have a date for blah, blah, blah. What's the one that each one of you guys you're most excited for the one you are like, absolutely cannot wait to see how uh, Marvel and Disney does it up.
3: Mac. Um, I'm going to say the one that they're not telling us about, I've, I've I've got a theory that I've been kind of carrying along for a while that, you know, you're establishing a bunch of different presences here, a bunch of different characters, you know, you've got a whole new Avengers world that we're rolling into with a whole new set of Avengers. And at what point are you going to go ahead and have, who's going to be your next foe for the Avengers, right? who's going to be the next main bad guy or bad girl or villain that you're going to have them go up against. And I believe with this whole multiverse gentlemen, that we're not going to get a bad guy or a bad girl. We are going to get a fucking team. We're going to get a team of fucking individuals from upstate New York who end up, whether it's from radiation from the snap, whether it's going to be some weird crossover Rebirth from the Eternals or something else, however, they decide to introduce them. But Avengers versus X Men is going to be the fucking property that you use as an Avengers movie after Endgame. That's why they haven't said it. That's why they haven't described it. That's why there's no release date because they haven't gotten the character yet. And to see fucking Cyclops go up against Captain Marvel. Or to see, you know, whoever a Black Panther is going to be going up against Wolverine, fucking take every money that I have for this property when that eventually comes up. But since that's not announced, um I have big hopes that Marvel will get the Fantastic Four right. That's my whole thing. You no, know? I hope the greatest, mm-hmm. the greatest so. Fantastic Four movie. We think we've joked about this, guys. Is uh the Incredibles? That's the best Fantastic <laughs> Four movie. It is the best Fantastic Four It, best is it <laughs> really right. is. True. So you know. um the um the director of our spider-man franchise john watts he is helmed he is scheduled to helm fantastic four for marvel studios um i think i think fantastic four is in good hands with him at the at the helm for this yeah so that's my that's what i'm most looking forward to right now all
2: right uh Jeff? yeah so uh i was super hyped about spider-man and now that that's in the rear view uh, the next big one for me is going to be Thor Love and Thunder. Uh, I love yeah, the man. way that Taika has changed Thor uh, since Thor Ragnarok, which was one of my favorite movies from uh, not only the Thor series, but uh, the last phase of Marvel movies. That and incredible. to wrap in Thor and Guardians of the Galaxy together in Love and Thunder, I'm excited to see what they, what they do with that. And Christian yeah. Bale. Yeah, Christian Bale, right? Is is our villain? Yeah,
0: that's right. Yeah. And Jane that's Foster,
2: right. Jane Foster as female Thor. That's so cool.
0: No, yeah. Uh, in the same in the same vein, I'm going to take a slightly different approach. I would love. I'm so excited because I think Ragnarok is one of the top three quality movies of the entire MCU as far as the humor and the style and and how much fun it is to watch. Yep. And I, too, am excited for the Fantastic Four, if only because I think uh, when you talk about characters that have the potential to be a Thanos-level villain, Doom, dude, Doom is incredible. Oh, right? Doom. And just to see how they do Doom will just... I, I mean, my deck can only get so hard. I'm going to have to consult a doctor after so many <laughs> times. Um, but I'm going to take a different aspect that of all the things that we know are in the pipeline somewhere but haven't been officially given a date or a time yet, the thing I'm most excited for, I'm gonna say is Loki season two. Uh, and I will say Thanks, I will say that because I think one of the coolest aspects that you you never really appreciate until he's on your screen is the fact that one of the only constants in his whole entire MCU they one of the original characters left is Loki. And may have been slowly turning him babyface since the fucking mm-hmm. beginning. And we finally got the payoff with Loki season one for undisputed with a sliver and in, in Avengers, right? And Ragnarok a little bit, but we got the payoff to full on baby face Loki running out, does the right thing. He gets Loki for it. And now he's off and he is lost somewhere in the annals of time uh, or annals of time, depending on what <coughs> what direction you want to approach time and if it's consensual. Uh, and his his role and I I just I see eventually first of all an X-Men versus Avengers would be incredible But who do you see as the forefront of the character? So that eventual at the end of the day all of Marvel comes back to stop some sort of threat like Kang or doom or Galactus Right, who's who's on that? And you got as we covered today Peter Parker's got to be there right spider-man. He's too damn financially viable not to be there, but Loki as like turning somehow into a huge chunk of the heart and soul of the mcu so loki season two what they do with it because they, they can do anything that's the idea we know the kind of restraint placed on a spider-man or what we want to see placed on an x-men you can only do so much with where they take and they could go well, basically anywhere they want but black panther but loki out there is a character who's technically dead in a lot of universes out there in the time yeah. there is no telling what they can't do so that would be my answer doc what about you um
1: like i mentioned earlier i'm really excited about what they're going to do with the blade property um Mm -hmm. because realistically even though Blade trinity was not the best late movie no it wasn't terrible
3: i mean it really wasn't terrible they Um, they 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 needed to pay more money to their dracula in order for that movie to have worked
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. but i mean ultimately like Disney, they're really just... Marvel, they just know these characters. It's their characters, they know them. They have thousands upon thousands of stories and and I and characters and moments and panels and splash pages that just look at something and go, that'd be a cool scene. What can we spin off from this idea, from this one little, you know, uh, uh, image? Um, but as much as I'm excited about Blade, and I am excited about Blade, uh, It really does boil down to the mutants. Um, I've been telling anybody who will listen, they will they they will run out of money. But like people will just spend all the money in the world, and as Marvels have all the money in the world. When the X Men come, and they and if it's done correctly, it just it just they will they're gonna make so much money it's gonna be stupid. Uh, And I'm really more than anything else, No, You we've all had this conversation. Like, how do you bring them in? It doesn't even matter anymore because it's coming. It's going to happen. Uh, and I just, like, the idea that... What you, the thing that I think it was... I can't remember who it was mentioned earlier about the, the Spider-Man, about how, at the beginning, how claustrophobic it was, how, the, how the, the, the citizens of New York turned on Peter so quickly, turned on Spider-Man so quickly, right? And you want to see that times a thousand and how humans will treat mutants, how, mm-hmm. how the world's going to change right? But people who are just born different, people who they, they can't help who they are, they just are who they are. And in the world, the climate we live in today, I think that uh, the, there's a space for the X-Men movies to exist uh, in the MCU. Um, there's so many awesome villains to choose from, so many awesome villains to choose from. They don't even have to, you know, they, they just put a whole bunch in the back pocket. They don't even have to have any X-Men level villains and just fuck around with Galactus instead that's the mm-hmm. best part right um but yeah it's the x-men and how will they bring them in that's what i'm most looking for which, and then play.
3: you know th- it's so exciting when you think about like where where this has come from and where it's going and what we're gonna get you know uh you mentioned blade jones i want wesley snipes in multiverse of madness even if just <laughs> for a two-minute cameo where that version of blade shows up.
0: Oh my God. Could you imagine a scene where they're sitting there in the nexus of all the universes and then Wesley Snipes (laughs) runs by and then the IRS is chasing right after him. Oh my God.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Listen, listen, uh, I, I will say if there's any single character, any single actor who deserves to show up in multiverse of madness, it's Wesley Snipes because he does not get enough credit. For what he did with that character that started this entire fucking thing. I know there's a groundswell on the internet of people reminding everybody that none of this happens if Blade doesn't work. Uh, if they didn't take the vampire movie and make a mature fucking uh, those first two blade movies are so fucking good.
0: Oh, Blade um, Two is so good. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. I mean you've fucking Guillermo del Toro, you know, decides we're gonna go ahead and make a Marvel movie, right? Um so you know, I, I would love to see that pay off. But the character who's in limbo that I that I, I'm so excited for that I want to see where this is going that we all forget about is fucking Wade Wilson.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say Deadpool. Deadpool that you know, is coming. He's officially part of the MCU. It's just a matter of where he's gonna show up. When
3: when is he gonna pop up here? You know? Um there is a part of me that really hoped that the end credit scene of Avengers Endgame was gonna be him showing up in the taxi while they're already cleaning up adventures campus because he was just fucking late. <laughs> I thought that would have been so funny and so on character. And he just yells at his, at his cab driver buddy and they get back in the car and drive away. Um, but, um, that would have been, I think so on point. Um, but you know, I know the script it's either written or it's being written on. They, they got to the writers from Bob's burgers to, to at least pen an initial script for it. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to see where that goes. I just, you're talking Taika Waititi too. I just watched Free Guy uh, last night and and that was really entertaining and enjoyable and I just want to see where this all the shit goes. Um, but in, in, in a world of, we started with Iron Man and got through Avengers and got through Thanos and everything else, you still have Magneto. You still have Dr. Doom. You still have mm-hmm. Galactus. You still have this fucking rich library of, of main characters, of aces. That yeah. you get to oh, play, yeah. Oh, and they for sure. they haven't even touched upon it yet.
0: I think there's there's just so much we can we can speculate about the future of the MCU. Even I mean, you could even just so minutely break it down to how do you do Magneto in 2022, 2023, 2030. Uh, when a huge portion of his character is based off the Holocaust, and every year we get further away from it, and then you got to like, where, where with the concept of time travel, uh, and but I mean, it's also super incredible. you like the idea that uh, that Magneto would have done far more damage to the Avengers and Stark Tech than Thanos could have ever have hoped that yeah. Magneto could could have farted? He could have been trying to hold one in, and one squeezes out, and that pressure that he's in would have just destroyed the entire Avengers compound, like. So, really interested to see where that goes for it and that's not even talking about the future of the characters like the the Falcon, Winter Soldier, where that whole thing happens, Wanda, or the idea that money fucking talks so loud. So, there's no thing that rules out characters that are dead or are super old and uh, floating coming back because you know hey you could be a director all you want but uh add a bunch of zeros after a one and anyone will put a suit or hold a shield again
2: put it yep. that way time and time That's and right. space it doesn't really seconds. matter anymore no
0: it doesn't and also to put in there i would love just an awkward special where uh steve rogers goes back in time to the 40s uh and has to awkwardly sit there while racism keeps happening and we got to go through the entire, like the Vietnam, the civil rights movement, the moon landing, the cold war, nine 11, nine 11. You got captain America willingly went back in time to let nine 11 happen. Let's just let everyone he, set that one up for a little while.
3: They, they hinted in black widow that he fought, um, uh, David Harbors, um uh, mm. was it red, uh,
0: the yeah red yeah. commander no
3: something
0: like that yeah, it, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna blow my mind here i'm not thinking of it but yeah no, that's yeah.
3: what i'm driving. you know because he keeps saying through the entire movie that you know he fought captain america and everybody is just telling him oh no 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 you're you're completely full of shit and captain america was frozen in ice that time and everything and red guardian red guardian yeah and uh no he probably fought an older steve rogers during the cold war for some reason you know um and nobody really talks about that but you know throw a few more zeros out there we'll get chris evans chris doing chris that one show right?
0: randomly showing up and don't look up or anything like that he'll run out of shit to do eventually he'll, he'll stop <laughs> being incredibly handsome and then just downgrade to super handsome and then he'll start doing that but we can try as much as we want i don't think we're ever going to get more handsome but we are going to keep doing it's coming out with new shit because 2022 is a new year and boy we have a lot of shit on the radar i don't want to go into all of it but i will talk about it next week because guys we've been talking about movies for fucking forever for, a hot see, minute. Right, the entire, for the hot minute, and we're gonna take a break on movies because we're gonna talk about what is statistically the least popular thing that we do on the show. Fucking pro wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> <It's quite a laughs> enjoy the yeah, most. way
2: to wait to kick off the new year, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, we're gonna start it with something you don't want to listen to. It's the 2010 Monday Night Wars <laughs> <laughs> TNA Impact attempts to go head to head with Monday Night Raw and jumpstart. A Feud that doesn't exist. It's very similar to, to, to People tweeting people to try to pick fights and it never comes to be But what it does give us is two key moments to talk about next week on one hand Well, there's all things TNA probably the only time we'll ever talk about it on our show And it gives us a chance to gripe about what a douchebag Hulk Hogan is and all the associated acts with it and on the flip side it's kind of the end cap to all of the montreal talk that we've mentioned throughout the history of the show it's the night that bret hart pretends to forgive sean michaels oh, january 4th night he definitely pretended.
3: and uh, <laughs> you and i were together on that one
0: all of us were yeah. we the three yeah, of us were. we watched right. all yeah, three, episodes we did. As, yeah, we did. as it happened yeah we made the wise decision to watch raw as it happened and then watch okay, dna I'll watch dna later uh, After <laughs> fast forward just, that DVR, just
3: but D- dvr man just the beauty of dvr
0: at the time but gentlemen thank you for being a part of the show thank you for all of us doing it here i always wanted to add my two cents on here to this that uh originally this whole thing started as a way for us to uh babble and add our voices to the endless thing of the The endless podcast but uh it quickly became apparent that this is an undeniable way for all of us to see each other on a regular basis uh and that's what it's worth and for the listeners that allow us to have the data to keep supporting to my wife why i need to keep doing this uh, (laughs) and watch do you really you should do does it really need to be every week can't you have like a season it should be a monthly podcast i'm like do you understand how podcasts work Do you understand how (laughs) concepts work? No, look at this. There are 20 people every week that need me and need us. That's right. Yes, I'm going to go do that thing. And I appreciate everyone who's helped make 2021, the inaugural year, uh, 20 some high 20s amount of episodes in here today. So uh, thank you. To everybody, to our midnight listeners, to the sweet, succulent body of the nation of Peru, and to all of our international listeners, we we just wanted to say happy new year, um, happy yes. holidays, and thank you,
2: gentlemen. Anything else to add? yeah thank you, everyone, and God bless us yeah. all, America. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, thank you, great power, for comes uh... great
2: responsibility. Don't forget, <laughs> there you
0: nice. go,
3: nice, um. Yeah, and just thank you everybody for listening. We uh we look forward to uh continuing this journey with you all in uh, the upcoming year. So, uh best of health to everybody. Stay safe out there and uh, you know, keep uh keep tuning in to a little bit of
0: nothing good. Well, that was a good show, guys. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. Fucking, can you believe people fucking yeah. listen to this?
2: Who would have thought?
3: No. I... <laughs> yeah it's it's uh, it's pretty it's pretty amazing that uh, that there's actually an audience
0: for this. So I just can't keep doing this accent though. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to drop it eventually. How you how you hold it for that many hours is impressive, impressive in itself. I don't know, and I don't know how much longer I can do it. But damn it, I'm gonna try. Yeah, I'm gonna try. They can't ever know the truth. They can't ever know the truth
2: no. no one will ever
0: know no no, no one know ever. secret this will never make air but uh speaking of post credit sequences and movies and stuff got venom what was that
3: I don't quite know what they were trying to do with that post credit sequence in any way shape or form did I you guys see oh,
1: the second venom
3: yeah okay. not yet I know I, I know, I but know, I know uh, yeah I know what happened I know the post credit sequence and what they did
2: yeah he jumps so. to the mcu Spoiler yeah. alert! He jumps to the MCU in the end credit scene. Yeah, through the hive mind of the symbiote. Right.
0: Yeah, because he's tapping into the hive mind. Who knows that that uh, that Topher Grace exists, and therefore Peter Parker is Spider Man. Right. And then he gets pulled out, but leaves symbiote part there. Uh, Venom. Uh, yeah. Venom. So that we that so allows us Venom to be in the MCU. Yeah. So, so do we? Are we going to get the black suited Spider Man at some point here? I don't think that's what that's for, and I don't. I don't. And I think that, that can give you the idea that that's basically a very heavy handed visual representation of Venom's in the symbiote suit's going to be in, involved in Spider Man oh. going forward. But I don't. There's so many better oh. ways you could do the black suit than having it be the exact same shit that we've been dealing with that I, I think yeah. having having tom hardy and um andrew garfield maybe that universe yeah. go in that direction and then come up with a completely different concept of, of venom uh i personally I think the weakest person in no way home was flash he's always the weakest actor in all these movies yeah. uh yeah. and i like that idea of having him be the one to get dealt with the venom suit first you know what i mean yeah uh would be interesting right who knows peter parker and all that other stuff but i mean you have a chance right now in this moment in time to just give us an eddie brock that we all want not a, not a wormy that's that we never got bro yeah. and tom hardy's awesome but he plays it in such a, a unique of course tom hardy gonna just decide that tom hardy all over a movie way But I mean, fucking pick somebody and 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 give us a slow burn with Eddie Brock and if that's what you want. I if you told me that Venom never appears in the Tom Holland Marvel universe directly, I I wouldn't be that morbidly upset about it. Right. I would if they do it, cool. But that's weird, that's like weird high concept Spider-Man stuff and you just grounded Spider-Man. Yeah. You know, like so give us time. Let it let it work its way around the world a little
3: bit. But. yeah I, I i did so at the end of that scene did he just go back to yeah. his reality i assume so it, was, yeah. it just seems so random wasted it was, super it, random. It, it was yeah it was wasted
0: i mean no no i mean he was wasted is what i said like he oh was well super, yeah super drunk <laughs> yeah, i think was. It, it was done to be i think it was done to fuck with us a little bit, where here's all of these, these rumors about all of the people being in this movie, and which never happens, it all absolutely panned out to be true. Then we're thinking, Oh, and add on to that now Tom Hardy's in the MCU. Oh, no, he's not right. Like, fuck you. It's a it was very, very similar to me to that whole patience. Sometimes you wait around and ultimately reveals not to be worth it. Like that post credit sequence that's what we yeah that was that version of that of course we also have the uh, ability in sometimes but at least we don't get those types of sequences where you're like really invested in like some sort of secret post credit kind of a, a sequence and all of a sudden the segment just cuts